Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wake up this morning. Uh, it's a Friday. We're broadcasting live from the drivehuber.com studio. And boy, there are many items to talk about today. A busy, busy Friday here on The Fan. I'm Andy Sweeney. He's Kevin Bowen. Kevin Bowen going with the, just a shirt today. No sweatshirt. It's 60 degrees outside. Have you outside. seen the weather? Oh, it's fantastic. Mark I almost Dyson's went sunscreen here. on this Friday morning. <laughs> Producing today's effort. We have Pacers. We have, I mean, that game was disgusting last night. Pacers trade deadline. Congratulations to Dwight Freeney. Well deserved in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And yeah, this little thing called Purdue and IU tomorrow on the basketball court. Wow, what a Friday. KB, a good morning to you, sir. Well, and we'll certainly carve out time for Notre Dame, Virginia Tech well, tomorrow to. from Purcell Pavilion. <laughs> I, I think. assumed we were leading with Is that. Is Mike Young the coach? Who's the coach I, at Virginia Tech? Yeah, I You know what? It doesn't matter. When Buzz Williams was there, we we, we really struggled. But uh, we're going to get a home win and get, you and Buzz get, Williams. get off the schneid here for the Irish. Uh, certainly some trade deadline stuff. Uh, obviously, the Pacers very active. What does it all mean? I had so many people kind of contacted me at like 4 o'clock yesterday. All right, make it make sense. And, and, and I don't know if I can. We will try to make it make sense to you. Uh, and for what it's worth, they still have one open roster spot. I don't know if they are a buyout market team or how that will play out. But uh, certainly, as you said, Andy, an absolutely loaded Friday, kind of how we did with the first IU-Purdue game. I want to make sure we give our audience a little bit of a preview here. So uh, the first time around, we did a little ex-coach action with Bruce Weber and Tom Crean joining us. Today, we'll go ex-player. We wanted to make sure we went ex-player from this state. So one of the absolute legends for me growing up. The pride of Noblesville, a man that I watched in the mill a whole lot. The Mr. Basketball from Noblesville High School. That would be one Tom Coverdale joining us at 8 o'clock. And then at 9.30, Andy, Sasha Stefanovic from the region, obviously. We just uh, stopped playing. Yeah, One of the great <laughs> three-point shooters for Purdue, certainly over the last uh, you know decade plus. But even if you look at some of the numbers, program history. And he has a very important part. On Matt Painter's staff. Yes, he does. Um, that I'll be looking forward to chat about with him as well. So, again, Sasha Stefanovic at 930, Tom Coverdale at 8, and then to get a little bit more on the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as Andy said, Dwight Freeney and that spin move is in. Reggie Wayne has got to wait for another year. I know Mike Chappell has some opinions on that. The oh, Hall sure of Fame voter is going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Boy, I tell you, what a Friday. And, you know, through it all. So so we'll talk IU, Purdue, and, and we'll do that. I'm really excited. By the way, Sasha, if I'm not mistaken, 7-2 and two against Indiana in his time at Purdue. That's pretty You think he knows good. that record? Uh, I think he probably does. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. So I cannot wait. You know, I've never talked to Tom Coverdale. Seen him play all these times and other shows have had him on. I'm like, we need to get Tom Coverdale on. So I'm excited. Uh, about that and then Freeney making it uh, you know that's just fantastic I mean it's a fun class Julius Peppers Andre Johnson like you said Reggie Wayne with the the backup if you will at wide receiver we thought that Andre Johnson would kind of be ahead of him uh, and so now Reggie Wayne and what Torrey Holt probably uh, you're looking at perhaps the next wide receivers uh, and so we'll dive into all of that but last night 
you know, you had the trade deadline stuff with the Pacers. And listen, you're right. Uh, Have it make sense. Did they they get worse in the short term? Will they be better in the long term? What I would say to that is whether it's, you know, Chad Buchanan, his press conferences are going on with JMV, our conversations weekly, KB, with Rick Carlisle. Uh, and really just the tone from the franchise, it's important to remember that they have said, we are building, we're not done. This is work in progress. And I think that kind of rang true for me yesterday when they made the move for Buddy Heald about 29 minutes after we got off the air. 10-29, I looked at KB and I go, they've made the move uh, with Buddy Heald. And then just as an underline, I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but that was easily you know, one of the top, what, two, three, four bad games. Second this biggest season. home loss of the just, season. Just Clippers a, in December, the only other list, one bigger. Just listless. And listen, I got to put it right at Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. He was as listless as anyone on the floor last Wh- night. Which, so can we just focus there for just a second? When you say listless, this is now two in a week. Go back to that Knicks game. And I think what's disappointing about last night is Steph. Uh, was that? I mean, I mean, the Carmel Pups kids had to be weeping. Boy, if you paid to see him last night, you and got watching it. Yeah. that performance. I mean, it was vintage Steph. It was incredible. It was a night to remember for him, et cetera, et cetera, all of that. But Andy, I just thought they beat you to loose balls. This is a team that got to the Conrad at three thirty a.m. yesterday. Three thirty a.m. They got to the Conrad. This is a team that is not in the Western Conference playoffs right now. Yeah, they're on a back to back. It was funny. Yeah. I was talking with somebody. With Golden State prior to the game, he's like, yeah, man, second night of a back-to-back. Unless Steph goes for 45, we got no chance. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, how, <laughs> he went for 42. Close how about enough. 42? And, like, some of the dudes that then would get in for them, if you look at their bench. Oh, dude, their roster is random. Their bench just kind of whipped you, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, Santos and uh, whatever Sarek. number 25's name is. And, yeah, I mean, Sarich is, is you know hitting buckets against you. And it's not like... Wiggins had 30, or Draymond all of a sudden hit a couple open threes and he's got 16. Like, Clay Thompson didn't even play. Yes, Steph did Steph, but it's not like they had another guy that all of a sudden had this out of body night. Jonathan Kaminga was pretty solid. Um, I think that's what adds to the disappointment is on the second night of a back to back, listless should be nowhere in your vocabulary for the Pacers. And I thought it was for the second time. In a week, the Knicks game being the other one there. Um, So I thought that was particularly disappointing. You know, Halliburton has earned the benefit of the doubt and obviously not harping too much on it, but it was an awful night for him. I mean, he didn't score his first bucket to what, 30 minutes into the game? Yeah. Step back three. Season low, five points for him. Um, I guess on the trade, Andy, I think the root of it is welcome to new finances with Pascal Siakam and the hope to resign him. I also think there was real hesitation from Buddy Heald wanting to be here long term and I think Tyrese Halliburton and maybe the reason Buddy slump got to this point and I know Tyrese's comments publicly a couple nights ago I think Tyrese in mid-January didn't want to do something like this I think Tyrese in the last week or so gave the green light and I don't know if we'll ever get anybody from the Pacers to publicly say that on record but I don't think because this is a question I got yesterday do you think Tyrese had say in this? Do you think Kevin Pritchard told him, you know, about this? Yes. Yes. These people are not dumb. They understand how modern NBA works. And I think Tyrese Halliburton eventually green lighted this. Um, 
So, did you get worse offensively yesterday? Yes. Did you get a little better defensively? I think so. Did you get a little bit more flexibility moving forward? Not a ton, but I think you got some, and I do think that is important. Clearly, Chad Buchanan harped on that a lot last night after the game and describing the moves that they made, and we'll see how Doug McDermott you know, fits into this group because it's a different type of shooter than Buddy Heald. Uh, if you want to look at it, it was a very small sample size, but McDermott's best stretch of his career was, was with, with Rick Carlisle. Yeah, it was in Dallas. In Dallas. Yep. Um, Shot sh- nearly 50% from three, I think. Yeah, it was like 49%. And, and the one thing that's always stood out to me about Doug is, you know, he has been a consistent 40% dude no matter the stop, no matter the team. You know, I, I think you and I had this conversation back when, hell, maybe the Pacers played the Spurs at the start of the year. I think I said to you, like, it always amazes me Doug McDermott is still in the Spurs. Like, <laughs> right. doesn't he not scream yeah. trade deadline shooter that should be on yeah, some playoff well, type team? You were right weeks ago and you had no idea. And now he yeah, is. a month and but a half ago. Again, for a guy to have bounced around all these different stops and continue to be pretty much a 40% shooter, that is obviously a really, really impressive quality. So uh, we'll see if he is uh, ready to go, passes the physical, and if he can get on the plane for this three-game road trip to conclude the first half. Well, we we got our answer yesterday if they were going to let Buddy Heald walk away and not get anything. And listen, I know I, like, I, I can understand fans if they're like, I don't want to do the trade capital talk or anything like that, even though it partially does matter uh, to some fans more than others. But the 2024 second rounder they got from Toronto is going to be uh, a second rounder that's going to be right at the top of that second round. I mean, that's, that is now you know, that has changed, I would say, in the last several years, KB. The value of those picks it used to be a graveyard you know you got to the to the second uh, to the second round uh, it was a graveyard and people I- laugh at those picks but i just think we need to remind our audience out there that part of the Tyrese Halliburton Buddy Heald trade several years ago included sure. a second rounder if you go back to the deal with Cleveland from a couple years ago you included a second rounder turned into a first where did that first eventually go It was a part of the package to get Siakam. So I know when you talk about it here on February 9th, you're like, oh man, it's a weak draft and you've got like the 37th pick. Well, that doesn't do a whole lot. But when you start to put that together with another packet, with with another piece, and all of a sudden you formulate a package, now that can turn into something of note here. So I know it's not very flashy and it is a second round pick when you look at it on a piece of paper. But when you start to put some things together, again, it's not obvious here on February 9th, but when this turns into something of note, uh, it's important to remember kind of what these picks can mean when grouped together with some other stuff. You know, I saw from the Philly side as well, KB, um, I saw a lot of the Pacers wanted to try to extract a first rounder from Philadelphia. It didn't happen. Eventually, you settle on that very high second Does rounder. Does that bother you, the fact that he goes to Philly? Because I do think that is one element. Well, I, that's, you, that's probably the one only of your, element. Yeah. I mean, if you look right no. now, the Pacers and Sixers are probably going to be there at the end of the regular season, fighting for some sort well, of Well, the Sixers spot. needed Buddy Heald so they could stay ahead of you in the standings. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's right. basically what it was. I mean, forget about meeting them in you the postseason. You did not trade them to the Thunder no, or it, somebody like it that. It could happen. They could meet in the postseason. We could have this conversation. But one of the reasons they needed to get anybody, just anybody, including Buddy Heald, uh, was that I want to go back to the game. I found this oh God, to be. We have to? Listen, I found this to be a, a a pretty disgusting game last night, and I'll say, I think you saw it on the face. Do you remember at the end of the first half, Bally's kind of had a close up of Halliburton holding the basketball, and he had to be coming to the realization that another star 
Then, then another guard, then another point guard, that Steph Curry, and I know he's, listen, he is the ultimate player. Steph Curry is a, he's just one of the greats of all time. I totally get it. But he walked in to your building, you know, and I bet Halliburton takes that pretty personal. He walked into your building and he was the conversation piece and not you. And listen, I, I've been trying to think all night how to say this. I believe that, yes, there is an open dialogue with Halliburton and the front office, even though I don't care as much about their friends thing. I know some people have made that, I think, a bigger deal than what it was. But the lack of shots last night from Halliburton. Yeah, it, like, like, he looked why, off. Why was I, he not taking yeah. shots? Was this one of those? Was he? I mean, I almost said, I was watching the game. I was like, if I thought differently, I would say he's pouting. That maybe he lost mm-hmm. his friend. I couldn't figure out what was going on specifically with him as Steph Curry, right? Like you would want to when Giannis has been here. Like, haven't you felt like, hey, they've been ready? Or Boston's like, hey, the stars are here. We're ready to go. The star was there last night, and they were not ready to go. And that that has been a big time <laughs> difference from what we've seen from the Pacers this season. It has. Boy, I mean, the ten loudest cheers of the night were probably what? Well, I guess how many threes did Steph hit? Eleven. Well, let's go with the twelve loudest cheers of the night were the 11 step threes and then the Trace Jackson Davis chance <laughs> yeah. at the, well, at the end of the game. Minutes, yeah. uh, shout out to Trace getting in and, and uh, having a couple buckets there at the end. That was that was weird it, it, from, yes, from, from it, Halliburton. It was it, weird. And, and you know what? A lot of this has been new for him. You know, he was not the heralded recruit. He was not even Iowa State's like go-to late game, here we are, NCAA tournament type team guy. He certainly wasn't that in Sacramento. He's admitted you know, this stuff and me being the closer, this is new. Now, he has embraced that. I mean, hell, go go watch the game on, uh, what, Tuesday night. The Pacers needed a bucket to ice that game. No hesitation. He handles contact, hits the floater, and boom, you, you, you win it. But, you know, anybody that has been in a Steph Curry road game environment, you it's unlike anything yeah, else. It's different, right? I mean, that building opens up at 6 o'clock, and I, I joke about it, but literally every little kid in America you could imagine <laughs> – is in that building. I mean, we're talking, and I've said this before about the Pacers. The Pacers are in a unique geographic position in the NBA where if you're a Steph Curry fan in Cincinnati, in Louisville, in St. Louis, this is your closest road, home game, however you want to describe it, that sure, you're going to see Steph. Sure. So that place is a zoo with little kids pregame and just families in general that are paying, hell, half their mortgage, maybe their full mortgage, to come and watch Steph play. And again, I don't know if that just really got to Tyrese, if it was the buddy trade. I don't think like it was some just incredible defensive assignment because he was still distributing at a really high level, especially early on in that game there. But again, more than just like exiting from Halliburton had the rare off night, season low in points. Steph, historically good. I, I thought it was hilarious when they took him out in the first quarter because at one point, I don't know how to pronounce the kid's name. The kid with the hair. Oh yeah, the Brandon, hair, yeah. who was playing for uh, <laughs> Clay Thompson. Yeah, he I looked at the bench after him. Steph hit his sixth three, and he's like, "You guys don't want me to get him, do you?" Right? Like, I'm not going to go take him out. And like, finally, after you know him and Kerr and Kenny Atkinson and some of the assistants looked at him, they're like, "Yeah, come on back. Uh, you are not going in the game." But again, more than that, more than Steph. Historically good. I think he could be a top five golfer if he wanted to. He's that great of an athlete. Uh, more than Halliburton looking like. Hell, me out there, frankly, from a scoring standpoint, 
the listless. You brought up that word. The, the very beginning the of the game. is so damn yeah. frustrating. Five nothing. Carlisle's calling to a timeout. Me, yeah, what? Seventy-eight seconds yeah, into the game. First quarter, forty-five points. I mean, we've seen them allow first quarters that have just been massive. I don't I, get it. Again, the Warriors. They, they get the Conrad at three yeah. thirty in the morning. Like they, they have not been a hustle. They are not some dominant rebounding team. They don't even start a true big. If you want to get like technical with their starting lineup. That to me, and boy, if anybody watched Rick Carlisle post game, I mean, yeah, he, he was, was yeah, he was beyond pissed, yeah, pissed off pissed. Uh, with their effort from last night. So, as Andy said, an absolutely loaded Friday. I know, oftentimes, I probably drop that word and and I just say it to say it. Uh, it's certainly true today. IU Purdue tomorrow night, eight o'clock from Mackey Arena. I believe a blackout. I believe a little Troy Lewis bobblehead action okay. for the Boiler faithful there. Uh, Tom Coverdale at eight. Sasha Stefanovic. A couple Indiana boys that have played in this rivalry will be joining us. And Dwight Freeney is into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That announcement just after 10 o'clock last night. The spin move gets in. Guys, refresh my memory. Peppers. Patrick Willis, Patrick Willis, Devin Dwight, Hester, Dwight Devin Freeney, Hester, Devin and Andre Hester. Johnson. You That's it. your five-man mm-hmm. class. And then the senior class, uh, Steve McMichael and Randy Gratishar uh, are the other two thrown in there. So What's, it's a great class. Good class. a little surprised no Antonio Gates. I was, I was surprised. I thought maybe Gates over... Willis, for yeah, me. Yeah, Willis. For me, just because... Willis is in a longevity. little bit of the Luke Keekley. Calvin Johnson, yeah, not the twelve-year guy, right. you know, et cetera, et cetera, on that end. So another year of waiting for Reggie Wayne, Mike Chapel, a man who is certainly a part of the voting process and can get a, get us behind the curtain a bit. He's going to join us coming up at nine o'clock. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. It is a balmy Friday. That's why I'm <laughs> rocking the t-shirt here. Uh, enjoy the weather if you can today, and thanks for spending this morning with us. It is the wake up call. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton with us on the ones and twos. All right, lots to dive into here on your morning checkdown. Reminder, coming up top of the hour, Tom Coverdale will join us. We'll talk some IU Purdue with him. 131-109, that's your final last night in Cambridge. Warriors over uh, the Pacers. Not good for the Pacers at all. Uh, really one of the more disappointing performances. They allowed 45 points in the first quarter, scored just 18 uh, in the third quarter. That's not going to cut it. Obviously, as well, one of the other big stories, the big story, was the trading of Buddy Heald. Short-term versus long-term. Chad Buchanan spoke last night after the game. Here's what he had to say. The decision we made with Buddy was more made for thinking a little bit down the road, but we also didn't want to hurt our team you know, too much, and that's why bringing back Doug, we feel like, replaces a lot of the things that Buddy brought uh, from a shooting standpoint, but we're like I said, it's a step-by-step process. We're trying to think long-term with this team and try to be good for a long time and put ourselves in position to contend for a championship and uh, today was one of those you know decisions that maybe feels like you know wasn't helping the team now but we're trying to look long term and I can't emphasize that enough with this group. All right, so that's Chad Buchanan after the game. So Tyrese Halliburton after the game, realizing it's the first time he'd laced him up, if you will, without Buddy Heald. I mean, it's just weird. You know, I've never I – don't, I don't think I've ever suited up for an NBA game without Buddy. Real, real talk. I, I don't think I've ever played one without him. Right, yeah, I've yeah. never played an NBA game without him. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely weird. <laughs> it's going to be weird moving forward a little bit. But that's part of the ebbs and flows of the NBA. Excited for him to have the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to miss him, but – I mean, I'm sure we're going to the Bahamas together after the season, so I mean, we'll still talk every day. Yeah. Again, I don't want to act like all of a sudden Kevin Pritchard said, uh, turn on your Woj notifications, Tyrese. You might be seeing something here uh, about your friend here. No, I, I, I think Tyrese did 
give the eventual green light to this. And again, I, I don't think Buddy had a huge desire to be here long term and financially. Uh, things are tight. That, that That's the rowdy of where you're at moving forward. That's why you saw some of the moves that the Pacers made yesterday. They did get a little bit more cash back in this as well, trying to maintain a little bit of flexibility. Again, I don't think it was earth-shattering what they did yesterday, one way or the other, like positively or negatively. I don't think it greatly changes the outlook of how I view this team moving forward the rest of the year. Certainly, it's more on Benedict Matherin's plate, who struggled last night and coming back from the illness. It's more on the plate of Ben Shepard. Uh, those guys are going to have expanded roles here moving forward, uh, and I'll be curious to see how Doug McDermott does fit into that second unit. Certainly, he gives you a little bit of shooting with that group. So, uh, the second worst home loss of the season for the Pacers. They lost every single quarter last night to the Warriors on the road for three before the All-Star break. That is at a very banged-up New York Knicks team tomorrow night. Charlotte on Monday in the Pascal Siakam return game in Toronto on Wednesday. What was the, what was the Pacers seven and a half point favorites in that game? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, when you look, 250 and a half was the over-under, don't tell me. I mean, when you look at it from a betting standpoint, might be the worst loss of the season. Oh, it's a bad loss. If no. you look at it again, just strictly from a betting standpoint and losing by, what was it, 22, and then favored by seven in that game. I had the under and Steph Curry points, which shows you what an <laughs> idiot I am. <laughs> well, I told Really? You. Did you? See, yeah. I, I felt like he was so bad the night before he's going to rebound. And I had the over in Tyrese Halliburton, so I, I flip-flopped. Oh, gosh. And they were know. doing everything. Don't they tell were, Ashley this. They were, they were <laughs> running Jalen Smith at him. I mean, they were guarding him with Jaylen a guard. Jalen Smith about the only Pacer yeah. who showed up yeah. last night yeah, Jaylen, until he got and hurt. Until he, he was out. Can I just say one thing about the Knicks? OG Ananobi's going to be out at least three more weeks with elbow surgery. I'm just hey, listen. You got Pascal Siakam. You made the right. You made the right move. OG Ananobi. I wonder how much damaged goods he was coming from Toronto. And Knicks fans are pissed. Pissed. They are not happy Dwight about him being out. Freeney is into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That announcement came late last night. He is a part of the five member class here for 2024, uh, alongside Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, the Colts legend Andre Johnson, uh, and Patrick Willis. So Reggie Wayne does not get in. Mike Chappell, been a part of the Pro Football. A voting committee for quite some time. He's going to join us at 9 o'clock to share more on the background with that, but no-brainer to me. I think you talk to really any tackle, particularly a left tackle from that Freeney era. Uh, nightmares, honestly, I'm thinking about uh, trying to block Dwight Freeney uh, when the Colts showed up on the schedule there. So extremely well-deserved there to see number 93 into the hall. You know what number with Dwight Freeney to me was the most eye-popping? 47 uh, forced fumbles. I don't know why. That yeah. number, like, I know the same number. Him and numbers, really mastered the strip sack. I, I just, that's a, that number right there is just, and you think about those plays, they're they're bigger plays than than just regular sacks, right? You change field yeah, position. Yeah, those are game-changing uh, plays. And everything yeah. else. Uh-huh. Let me give you one piece of sound from Freeney. This is from Wish TV last night after the announcement, Dwight Freeney. I have a hard time coming up with the right words to really describe it. It's 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 just you're honored, you know. It's just you, you feel so grateful, you know, uh, for those who paved the way before, before you, all those people who helped me along the way. This is not something thing that's just for me you know this is for you know everybody the community the tribe that helped me and pushed me all these years um it, it means the world to me i know it means the world to them and i know it means the world to coast fans 
on the ballot next year, Adam Vinatieri would assume first ballot nomination for him. All right, college basketball for this weekend. Goes without saying what IU-Purdue means. The rematch will be in Mackey tomorrow night. Uh, certainly for Indiana, where's Cleo where at? Health-wise, that was a very awkward end to the game with that left knee kind of buckling up. Mike Woodson didn't have a whole lot from an update standpoint on him yesterday. And, and I guess... Do you throw out the first game? I, I I don't know. I don't think you can totally throw it out, but certainly McKenzie and Baca and Cleo Ware's foul trouble uh, were huge, huge parts of that lead, continuing to balloon throughout the first half there. Um, but again, that game tomorrow night in Mackey, 8 o'clock there as Purdue tries to go for the season sweep. For Butler and Indiana State, uh, their matchup's coming up this weekend. Butler's got a big one bubble-related. I've said that, I guess, for several weeks now, and we'll continue to say it in February. They've got Providence, uh, a rematch from kind of a wild one earlier this year. That was the game where Butler flew out the morning of the game due to weather. They had the lead. They didn't foul late. Providence hits a three. Boom, it goes into overtime. Providence beats Butler. You look at bubble stuff right now, Butler is in pretty much on every bracket. Providence is just out pretty much on every bracket. So a very important game uh, for Butler at home. And Indiana State is at Missouri State coming up this weekend as they continue to try and kind of hold serve in the MoVal and uh, make sure that that resume doesn't have any bad losses. On it. Yeah, they should be fine. Indiana State's going to be fine. By the way, just looking at IU-Purdue, uh, Ken Palm has it as a 19-point game towards Purdue. ESPN's predictor, 96 points, uh, 96.9% chance that Purdue wins on Saturday. I know we're going to talk about it around the corner, but I just think it's a put-the-boot-on-the-throat type of game for Purdue, but we'll see. It's a rivalry game. You never know how it's going to play out, I guess. A couple other trade deadline notes for those that care. Gordon Hayward to the Thunder. I know that name is flirted around with the Pacers. Uh, so the Brownsburg native, I actually think that makes a lot of sense for yeah. Oklahoma City as well. How big of a sigh of relief did you have yesterday when you saw that news? <laughs> yeah, I just I, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me on that end. But um, you know, we'll see. I, I'm trying to think of Gordon's playoff history. You know, maybe a little bit with Boston, but we'll see what happens here for him uh, as he moves to a Thunder team that certainly is a team to watch out west. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich to the Knicks. The Knicks were pretty active yesterday. Uh, former Pacer there, off to New York. We'll see if Indiana will see him tomorrow night. Again, New York really banged up right now. Anything else stand out to you, trade no, deadline-wise? Uh, j- just that it was rather quiet. You know, I mean, three weeks ago, we had the Pascal Siakam, Terry Rozier. Who's the third one I'm missing? Well, OG uh, Ananobi. Uh, OG mm-hmm. Ananobi. I mean, we kind of had the big three. Everything everything fell in. I would say the Pacers perhaps were a little bit more active uh, than I thought. But I guess looking back at it, not too surprised. They've told us all season, no matter who's been on the air, with us that hey this is we're happy where we are but this is a this is a work in progress type roster and I thought they proved it yesterday I really did how big of a loss is Buddy Heald the domino effect off of that we'll focus on that coming up on the other side again Tom Coverdale talking IU Purdue at eight Sasha Stefanovic on the other side of that rivalry and on the bench for the Purdue Boilermakers as a coach for Matt Painter at 9.30. Mike Chappell talking Hall of Fame at 9. We got a busy Friday for you. Thanks for spending it with us right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Busy, busy Friday again. Congratulations uh, to Dwight Freeney, one of the greats making the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You saw that announcement last night. We're going to have you covered a lot uh, as we go here over the next couple hours for IU and Purdue coming up on Saturday. Tom Coverdale going to join us. IU great at 8 a.m. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic going to join us at about 930. Uh, he, he only took, what, about a year off, I think, when it played overseas. Boy, I, uh, remember, back. I remember Sasha hitting a huge three in one of those Purdue IU games late at, at, in Mackey, so be uh, curious to uh, ask him about oh, his yeah. memories of that. And again, he's got a spot on Matt Painter's staff. Yes, the, he does. The key member. It'll be a fun player to personnel. Talk about that as well. In game, you'll uh, certainly notice Sasha at times coming up to the front of the bench. I think he's a big <laughs> sideline guy for him, dialing up some of the <laughs> sideline plays for you. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, he had to keep everyone back. I thought no, the, the no, get no, back no, no. He's got guy. a real job, okay, not yeah. a uh, get back a, coach a job. job. That I, a uh-huh. job that I would have. You know, the guy that's always like pulling on the pants of the uh, the coach and the, the football. And strength yeah. coach, right? Yeah, it's always someone like that. Uh, Chap, Mike Chap will join us coming up at 9 o'clock as well. Uh, Buddy Heel conversation. We'll play some sound here uh, as he is gone in just a listless, bad, just a bad performance last night from the Pacers all around. And I'll say what I said, uh, you know, to start the show, you know. Um, you know, for me, I'm not surprised they moved Buddy Heald. I think, and we heard from Buchanan there in the checkdown, Chad Buchanan, I think they admitted that there was a chance here, and I think this is something Pacer fans are going to have to get with, that there was a chance here for the next couple months, going into the end of the season and into the postseason, that there's a chance they got worse in the in the short term. I mean, that is very much on the table um, you know, Doug McDermott didn't play as much as Buddy Heald played. I mean, Buddy Heald was a starter uh, as well, but the logic that's there that they improve their flexibility, not by doing yoga, they improve their flexibility, they get a high pick in 2024, and you bring in a guy that you hope alleviates some of the three-point shooting. And then you mentioned it. Um, ben Shepard now uh, is going to, at least in the regular season, have a chance to really be a part of this rotation. And it may be, this might be the wrong take ultimately, but it may be also a little bit of growing up time for Benedict Mathern. I mean, they have put a lot into this. They believe in him. Uh, and maybe they feel like he's had a fine season, but let's get going. There's going to be now perhaps uh, some extra opportunities opportunities uh, as well. So, uh, you know, looking back at it, I like the fact that they kind of understood where they were in the short term. I can understand if you're grumbling about it, uh, but long term, they feel like this provided them the flexibility and that flexibility helped, you know, bring a guy like Tyrese Halliburton and it helped bring a guy like Pascal Siakam here. Now they need to go out. They need to play much better basketball than they did last night. Yeah, I thought Chad Buchanan had some interesting comments post-game. Him and I kind of align on a little bit more of what the vision should look like. In my opinion, I think what you're trying to do for a franchise, you're trying to create about a five-year window. And the the NBA window could be a little bit longer than the NFL window, just given shelf lives of players. But I think that's the goal. You want to try and create that window. And again, Tyrese Halliburton's under contract for six seasons. And that is what you're, you know, hoping to do here. Um, I think at the root of it, and we can't get lost in this at all today when we discuss it. I don't think Buddy Heald wanted to be here long term. 
at the prices that the Pacers were throwing out there. And financially, it just didn't make a ton of sense either. If you look at it from a Pacers standpoint, uh, and I think Tyrese Halliburton eventually got to sign it off on. Sure. I don't think he was always married to the idea, but I think he eventually got there. And, you know, this was the debate. This is a topic that I threw to you yesterday, Andy, of, okay, the final conversation the Pacers are having the Wednesday night into the trade deadline. Can we get better defensively? That that was what I threw to you yesterday of like, you exit that room and you look at the offers on the table, can you get better? And indirectly, yes, offensively, you are losing a very notable, I mean, he's one of the best shooters in NBA history. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like Buddy's not a loss. But when we talk about this team this season, defensively is where they can really, really improve. Offensively is not where they can improve. And in Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam, what do they do well? Offense. I mean, that is their thing. They both are very gifted offensive players. And to me, they can lift guys offensively. Tyrese can create better looks for you. Pascal commands attention when you throw him the ball. That is going to allow guys to have other opportunities. On the other end of the floor... They don't do that for you. Certainly Tyrese. Pascal, it's unfair to label him in the Tyrese category. But, I mean, hell, you saw it at times last night. Teams hunt Tyrese Halliburton on defense. Right. Teams hunt Buddy Heald on defense. If you got to the fourth quarter in the playoffs and you wanted to put Heald and Halliburton on the floor together, you better hit 10 out of 10 threes on the other end. <laughs> but, they you, but they also didn't get better. I mean, they really didn't get better defense to me. I well, don't know. I mean, that means Dun- you're Dermot's playing them hard more. Well, yeah, it, it does. But that but means Dun- you're Dermot's playing Neesmith a, more. No, no, no. It, yeah. It's not McDermott's who you acquired. Not, not a defender, obviously. I, I, no, no, no. It's not who you acquired. It's who you're playing more. It's who you're right. playing more. Ben well. Shepard getting more minutes helps you out defensively. Again, a starting lineup. What have they done at the starting lineup? They've told the offensive guys to go to the bench. They've told Benedict Mather right. to go to the bench. They told Buddy Heald to go to the bench. They've brought Neesmith into the starting lineup. They've brought Nemhart into the starting lineup. They've been trying internally to get better on that end of the floor. And again, if you look at it, that's where they do need to get better. I, I, I know it's not sexy. It's not offense, all of that. But last night was another game where the opponent gets to their average and and absolutely obliterates their scoring average. And it's happened now, and I think it's sad. And this is a bad roster. Golden State's not a good roster. Oh, goodness. Outside of Curry. 40 of 53 games now that they have you know, allowed an, an opposing defense to score or an opposing offense to be better than their scoring average on the year. Um, I've brought up the Tony East stat that he shared with us about a month ago several times throughout this process of when you get to the playoffs, that's where things get a little bit more under the microscope and have a little bit more focus. So indirectly, that's what you've done with this trade. Again, I will not sit here and act like Buddy Heald for Doug McDermott is some even switch offensively. To me, I I like Doug. He's a fine player, but that would be totally unfair to Buddy Heald's career and his reputation to act like you are not losing something offensively. You certainly are. But again, it it was a roasting uh, night in, night out of him on the other end of the floor, particularly when he was there with with Halliburton. You can hide one defender to a degree. You can't hide multiple. In the NBA. You can't hide two or three guys. Especially in the fourth quarter. Is is very very well, difficult. And, and what I struggle with as well is, you know, we say, I, listen, I agree with what you're saying. We also say, well, you know, uh, you, you got to feed the offense. You got to feed what you're good at. I know JMV has talked about it, and I don't disagree with that. I guess my thing would be, you also don't know how Buddy Heald was going to work out the rest of the year. 
Does that make sense? I mean, if he is not hitting shots, then suddenly he's going from 20 some odd minutes to 12 some, you know, 12 minutes or whatever it may be, and he's missing shots. That that's the difficult thing. I think it just came down to he he wasn't going to be here long term. They with the new financial world that they are living in with, you know, having one more sizable swing to be up on the very threshold of the luxury tax, getting ready to have a max a guy, a max deal guy in Halliburton. Perhaps he ends up being a super max guy if he plays the 65 games and everything else at the end of the season, plus at least 43 mil plus on top of it with Pascal Siakam. Uh, you can understand it. I want to play this one. Here's Halliburton was asked after the game on them coming to him, you know, Buchanan, Richard, whoever coming to him, input on trades. Here's what he had to say. I mean, obviously, I'm aware before the public is aware. You know, it's, it's the NBA at the end of the day, and I'm here long term. So there's definitely conversations to be had. I find out. Um, you know, obviously, my input matters, but everybody's input matters. So, uh, yeah, I was aware. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was aware. I, I truly believe, Andy, that at one point in the last few weeks, Halliburton did not green light this, and he eventually did. Again, I don't think Rick Carlisle will say that on the record. Uh, coming up with or last night, I don't think he said that. I don't think he'll say that on Tuesday. I don't think Halliburton wants to share that. But you're in a position right now where I think very little gets done from a notable standpoint without Tyrese Halliburton signing off on it, agreeing, whatever, fully understanding, however you want to describe it. I think a couple things to note on Doug McDermott, by the way. Um, again, it was a small sample size in Dallas, but the best stretch of his career was with Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Honestly, it was a big reason why he then got a notable contract here in Indy uh, for those couple of seasons here. And one thing to note on McDermott, it's staggering to me, but I was reminded yesterday of just how at times McDermott did not shoot the basketball very well here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, which was so shocking. So I wanted to make sure that like some of the numbers back that up before I just brought that up. It is rather <laughs> wild, the home road splits of Doug McDermott during his tenure here with the Pacers. Uh, these are the home and road numbers for McDermott in his three seasons with Indiana, percentage-wise. At home, his first year, 31%. On the road, 49%. These are three-point numbers. Second season, at home, 33%. On the road, 53%. And then his final season, 35 and 42%. So a little bit more even in that final season. How but, do you even begin to explain damn, that, by I, I the way? I got no idea. I've never heard of anybody <laughs> well, you view don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Gamebridge Fieldhouse is like, yeah, not really a shooter's sure. gym. Sure. You know, Saturday night inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, maybe, you know, when we see some depth perception. Well, you, always, you always see that in the NCAA tournament. How, I know. Oh, how I, will the dome affect, you know? So I don't think that's somebody. super uplifting to Pacers fans hearing that. I well, also look to know that, too. I also look at it and think, is that just stupid for even me to bring up? It's but not those are stupid. St- I mean, an 18% difference and then a 20% difference from home on the road. Um, I I guess the second unit, Andy, and again, they still have one open roster spot. I don't think we've ever viewed the Pacers as a big buyout market team, but you know how they handle that, I will be interested in. Um, I guess right now, we know the starters. Halliburton, Nemhard, Neesmith, Siakam, Turner. So now your second unit, and let's just say for the regular season, because you know that that rotation gets tighter in the playoffs. McConnell, Matherin, 
Well, Toppin, Jalen Smith. McDermott, Toppin, yeah. Jalen, and then what, Shepard and Isaiah Jackson kind of on, on the, the fringe of that? Yeah, I mean, guys are guys and, and are always just, out enough or injured that someone else is there ready to play. I mean, every just night. One side note to everything we saw yesterday, and I think Scott Agnes had this as well. It, it is a redshirt year for Jarris Walker, and I mentioned Scott. Scott had the report that Jarris, I believe, out west now with the Mad Ants, so they've got a three-game set out west, I think through Tuesday. So when you look at the lineups and you look at the log jam at the four, uh, again, unless a lot of injuries happen, I think we can chalk this up to pretty much a complete redshirt for Jairus Walker the rest of the season. Uh, give me clip 12, Mark. I'm going to switch things up here just a second. Uh, just on the Doug McDermott thing, Alex Golden put this up yesterday. Uh, these are the numbers you're looking for. McDermott played 26 games for Rick Carlisle with the Dallas Mavericks. He shot 49.4% from three during that time. Uh, he averaged nine points per game. So his numbers, obviously, with Rick Carlisle. And then you threw out the numbers in GameBridge. So something's got to give between GameBridge uh, and 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 Rick Carlisle. Buchanan yesterday, Chad Buchanan on what you mentioned, the young guys playing more with Buddy Heald out the door. Yeah, I think we got some young players that were, you know, behind Buddy that we are optimistic about and believe in and wanted to see, you know, this this move obviously, like you said, you know, creates some opportunity for some of those players and, you know, Ben being one of them. And we want to see what he can do with, you know, a little more of a, of a role and a little more responsibility. And we're going to go through highs and lows with our young players. We know that. Um, but we're also, you know, believe in these guys. That's why we draft them. That's why we brought them here. Uh, we want to help them grow help them develop and help them turn into big time players for our team. Again, I, I nod my head at, at a lot of that from Chad. It's a little thing to note from yesterday, Andy, and I don't know if it matters a whole lot. To be fair, Doug McDermott hasn't really experienced it in years, but you did add more playoff experience to your roster. And, and I don't know. Again, it, it's not a ton in McDermott again, not a lot recently. Hell, he's been in San Antonio for the last couple of years, but you know, certainly Buddy Heald's got none on the resume. Uh, and if you look at the Pacers roster, Siakam brings a ton of playoff experience, but besides him, you don't have a lot in that area. Um, I don't know if that matters a whole lot, but I do think it's just something to note as well from a little change in your roster. Later on, I, I do want to mention this. I want you to think about it. And we have a minute or so here. I, I think the main kickback KB is, is the fan that feels today that the Pacers did not get better for the final 20-some-odd games. Does that make sense? Now, the Pascal Siakam, you know, we've had a few weeks to digest it, to watch him play, so we need to remember that that is, it's like getting a Christmas gift a week before. Hey, you need to remember, this is a Christmas <laughs> gift, even though you got it, you know, two weeks before, if a family goes to Disney. Thank hey, you, remember, Mrs. Bowen. Hey, remember, this is, uh, this is, this, this is like a Christmas my wife, gift. my wife the other day, oh, this is for Easter. Oh, God. Kids aren't going to remember that. No, see, yeah. that's the Here's thing. an early gift. You do we have Valentine's Day, <laughs> we got maybe go. President's Day, we got some other holidays. Remember, this is for April. President's yeah. Day. He's buying a gift for President's Day. Anyway, Remember what Mr. Lincoln did for this country. <laughs> it's the balance of what you mentioned, internally getting better at defense and that mattering, and then, you know, Doug McDermott and others stepping up to be able to fill that void. I mean, that's obviously what they're thinking, and having some more assets for the future. But there will be, I think, a sizable amount of Pacer fans that will say, 
you know, we don't care about a second sure, round pick. Sure, I get it. That today, with what we have seen with our eyes over the years, especially last season with Buddy, we don't feel like we're we're as good today going into the home stretch and the playoffs. And that's gonna have to be we'll see what happens, right? I mean, I, I don't I know get the that, answer. And to I that. think Buddy's a loss. Let's not act like the Pacers were a three seed and Buddy was averaging well, eighteen a game in the starting lineup. I, I, the, the reality is Buddy being off the team has not lost you a playoff series here. It's not that type of loss. And I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. KB, they have told us a million times, even in some of these Buchanan clips, when Chad Buchanan has been on with uh, with JMV, when Rick Carlisle's been on with us, many different press conferences, that they are not a finished product. And that meant even for the final 25-some-odd games, they're not a finished product. And we need to remember that. And to me, that, that rang true yesterday. For the sure. legend from Noblesville, yes. the one and only Tom Coverdale, IU Purdue, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. We'll chat with the former point guard and the national runner-up next here on The Wake Up Call. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Reminder, Mike Chappell will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. We'll talk about Dwight Freeney making the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A congratulations, Tim Reggie Wayne. We'll have to wait another year, so we'll talk with Chapp coming up at about 9 o'clock. You know what's coming up Saturday? Oh, you guys know. It's IU-Purdue round two for this season, 8 o'clock on Fox. Cannot wait for that one. Our coverage on IBC will begin at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And one man who is very familiar uh, with the rivalry and everything IU basketball, Tom Coverdale joining us here on the Payless Lakers Hotline. Tom, uh, a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump off with this. When you think of IU and Purdue on the basketball floor, whether it be from your playing days or other times, uh, what image is in your mind when I tell you, hey, IU and Purdue are getting ready to play some basketball? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Good morning, guys. Yeah, the, the thing that pops into my mind is just a lot of fun. I mean, this... This is the reason why you go to an Indiana or Purdue is to be able to play in games like this. And uh, looking back on my time is nothing but good memories as far as thinking of that rivalry and just how intense and how fun it was to play in games like that is what sticks out to me. Tom, do you remember your record against Purdue? I think I lost once. Is that right? I, I thought I had it. I, I could be wrong on this. Math was never strong suit of me. I didn't have the Noblesville education like you. Uh, I, I thought I had it at six and three. Does that sound like too many games? Would you have played that, nine? No, that, I I know I didn't lose to him three times. Okay. You, your math cannot be correct. I think I lost to him my freshman year, uh, which I didn't get in the game. But then the, I lost my senior year. But and then did you guys uh, that, play him neutral one year? Yeah, we got to play them at, I think it was still, it was, was it still the Dome? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that game. That was a lot of fun. It was kind of, you know, back in the day when um, egos weren't involved and IU and Kentucky still played in sure. the Dome. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of egos we, we involved got, right now. Tom, there's a lot of ego involved right now with that rivalry. Uh, well, unbelievable that we don't play them, but that's another day. 
Um, we we got we were fortunate enough to play Purdue. I think it was right when they changed the schedule. One year we only played them one time, um, and I think it was at the dome there. But that was a lot of fun. Which that was an absolute joke as well. If we're gonna rant and rave about stuff yeah. like that, that needs to be a. Uh, <laughs> Two games every year in Bloomington and West Lafayette. Tom Coverdale, the legend, the pride of Noblesville. Watch this man a whole lot at the mill in high school, the Mr. Basketball. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Whether it was Coach Knight, whether it was Coach Davis, did you feel like it met more when this one popped up on the schedule? I guess to the coaching staff versus you you being from Indiana, obviously. I think the coaches... um always downplay it when it's a big game and try to act normal and get in routines. But as a player, especially a player that grew up in the state of Indiana, they'd be lying to you if it wasn't a bigger game. Um, you can kind of feel it when you get in the stadium too. Um, it's it's different than like an NCAA tournament game because it's a home feel either at Indiana or Purdue. And the intensity and the crowd is more into it than a normal game. So you can definitely feel it as a player when you're on the floor. Tom Coverdale with us here on the Wake Up Call on the fans. He uh, joins us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. IU and Purdue tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Like I said, our coverage over on WIBC beginning at 7, uh, at 7 p.m. Did you feel like you specifically uh, played better in those big-time pressure situations like the Purdue game? Um, I, I tried to. I think I did um, for the most part in my career. I mean, you're always going to have down games. But, you know, those are the games you live for. I never looked at those as pressure, as pressure games. You know, you work your whole life to build towards an opportunity. Um, and I think the people that are successful during what they call pressure pack games, I always looked at them as opportunity games because you've worked so hard to get put in a situation to where you're in a lineup to play in an atmosphere like that. Um, so I always tried to thrive and I always got up a little bit more for those bigger games. Um, it's hard not to, if you have that feeling and that, you know, fear of failure, I like to say, or, or just willingness to try to win for those big games. He is Tom Coverdale. He's with us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Obviously, the former Mr. Basketball and the point guard and the national runner-up team for Indiana. He's joining us here ahead of IU and Purdue tomorrow night, 8 o'clock from Mackey. Tom, I, I'm going to guess when a lot of people ask you about your memories at IU, the Duke game would rank pretty high on the list of what people ask you about. I, I might go in a different direction. Of that general run, the run to the national title game, if I took the Duke game out, what is your favorite memory from that run all the way to the title game? Ooh, that's a good question. I, w- I would say just the celebrations we had as a team after the game in the locker room. Um, but reaching the final four, even though that was the game, I, I hurt my ankle and I couldn't really walk. But celebrating with the team even after that and, and how the biggest the buzz that was around campus uh, something that you'll never forget as a player, just how the whole state rallied around that team. Um, but just the memories you have with your teammates um, is something you'll never forget, just celebrations. And, and I still talk to a lot of those guys today, and I think it's just because of everything we went through as a team those two or three years during that transition and to be able to have it in the end 
end in a final four is something you always remember together. Former IU great Tom Coverdale joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, the team this season, we think the last couple years with Mike Woodson getting their footing back in the NCAA tournament, Tom, and then, you know, this season, I would say the wheels have come off, but it's not a good season, not looking like it's going to be an NCAA tournament season. So, spoiling some of the fun for Purdue on Saturday, no doubt, is an objective. If you could tell this team something, I don't know if it'd be a pump-up speech or just give them advice. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what would you tell this team that has struggled so much this season? I would. Just, I think their biggest problem this year has been consistency, obviously. Um, if you look at the last few games, they play one half that's good and one half's bad. I would just say, like, look, if you can't mentally get prepared for this game when it's going against – Arguably, I think the top team in the country, um, you, you, you shouldn't be playing here. And you, you have to go into this game thinking about every single play. If, if all this week you're thinking about nothing but Purdue after you win, win, win against Ohio State, then you need to seriously think if you love the game of basketball or not. Um, I, I think this team has shown spurts and they're talented enough that they should not have the record that they have. Let's be honest. There's enough talent on this team to beat Purdue um, or beat anybody in the country if they're playing the right way and have the right mindset going into the game. So they should have already been working on that all week and thinking about every little situation, every little play, and then go out there and play their hearts out on every single play because if you can't get up for this game you shouldn't be wearing the uniform Tom did I hear correctly you found out you won Mr. Basketball in an airport (laughs) wow (laughs) no it's even better I was on spring break in a hotel room with about 15 of my high school friends oh that's awesome where were you Panama City break out the water (laughs) bottles of vodka and let's go to celebrate that one We don't need to get into all that maybe another time, but um, (laughs) it was in Panama City, and I knew I was going to get a call. Um, I I got the spring break late because they still had that top 40 workout, Um, and I I went to that, and they basically told me, like, look, you're either going to get a call from me, you know, I think it was the head of IHSA or whatever, or your high school coach is going to call you to tell you you didn't get it. So all my friends are there. They knew the time, and I was thinking to myself, God, if I don't get this, this is going to be embarrassing. They got a party ready for me and all this stuff, but luckily I got the good call and not one from my high school coach. Yeah, I I can only imagine what the celebration was there after. What happens on senior year spring break stays on senior year. Is that one hotel room or was that two hotel rooms, or was it just everyone piled in one room? Oh, no. We're from Noblesville. It was one room. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, I love that. The one and only Tom Coverdale, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tom, if you don't mind, um, could you update our audience on what you've been up to here over the last you know, five or ten years and just, uh, I guess, how close you follow the program from afar and then uh, what you're doing professionally? Well, I think you follow it as a former player and being a part of the program. I try to watch every single game. I don't get down to as many as I'd like. Um, but life is good. I've, I've been, you know, with me and my wife, we're in the Noblesville area again now. We lived in Fishers for a long time. I've been in the insurance world for 13 years now after I got out of co- college coaching. Um, and I have twins that are seven years old, a boy and a girl, so they're keeping us busy. But uh, everything is great. You ever have the itch to get back into coaching? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of former coaches, you know, it just got to a point where it's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I got into the profession and you have to move every three or four years. And, um, you know, I figured out friends and family is probably the most important thing to me in my life. So coming home and having my weekends free and being able to live close to my brother's uh, is something and and friends is something that I, I I wanted for the rest of my life, and I didn't want my kids to be moving around. Uh, do I miss the team aspect of it and being in the locker room, being a part of games? Absolutely. Um, but I think you know, I, being able to help my kids as they get older, I can get kind of that fix. You know, trying to uh, help them out in it, whatever they choose to do. Tom Coverdale joining us here, uh, hanging out with us here on the Wake Up Call on the Fan, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, if you think just through your playing days, best performance you saw Indiana versus Purdue, I go to you know a game you're familiar with, 2001, 2002. Jared Jeffries, his massive double double. I guess what do you remember about that matchup, and then any other uh, any others stand out for you over your career there at IU? Um, I would say being able to play in the dome, like we talked about earlier, was something just because it was such a huge, a bigger crowd than at Indiana or um, Purdue. Um, but you know, in, in all honesty, when I was playing, they were kind of going through that transition. You know, the end sure. of Katie and the beginning of uh, Matt Painter, who I think is an excellent coach. Um, but you know, just um, Going through that transition, they they had some down years, um, but it was still a fun, fun basketball game to play in. And, you know, in a rivalry rivalry like that, you're going to get the other team's best effort. And we definitely still did, but we came out on top more than than not. Tom, you think we'll see Anthony Lee on the starting lineup tomorrow night? God, I hope so. Doesn't (laughs) he deserve it? I was going to say. You know, I I think – you know, that's one of the bright spots. You know, you have to give a kid like that credit. He comes from Indiana, hasn't gotten a, that big of an opportunity, but when he got the opportunity, he was ready. And you don't, you don't we, he's won two games already in the last couple of weeks, let's be honest, with his shooting and just playmaking and hustle. Um, so I think if that, you know, you know, you got to, as a team, I think, and, and a criticism I have of this team is is they look comfortable way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if that change would have been made sooner and given different people opportunities, like, you know, even when I played, I my when we went to the Final Four at the beginning of that year, I had a bad game and I didn't start the next game. There were consequences and you never felt comfortable. You were constantly trying to earn your spot. And I think uh, that's something this team's missing. I think really, really well said. Tom, someone that grew up in Hamilton County and watched you a whole lot in high school, thank you for those memories. I hope a lot of IU fans will have enjoyed this conversation and uh, hope all is well with the family. Good luck with the Twins as they continue to get older in the elementary years and really appreciate the time this morning, man. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. I've been a fan of you since you started covering the Colts. You always give insight that you know, as a reporter, you want, I want to feel like, hey, tell me something I don't know while you're there, since you're there. And I feel like you always do that. So keep up the good work. Look at I that. appreciate that, Tom. Thank you, man. All right. You guys have a great day. Thanks for having me on. That is the legend, Tom Coverdale, there. Again, what happens in the Panama 
City Beach senior year spring break hotel room should probably stay there. Oh, the ego stroke you got at the end, too. That had to be nice. Between, between Marcus Freeman yesterday and I need a Venmo, this, Tom, by the way, right uh, now. You're, on, that. you're yeah. on fire right now. We need to mm-hmm. clip that. You need to put that in your portfolio. That's what yeah. you need to do right there. Yeah, Good I job. Do. Good I stuff from Tom to. Coverdale. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, again, Sasha Stefanovic on the flip side of it from a Purdue angle. He's going to join us coming up at 9.30, but we talked about this to open up the show. I've kind of enjoyed how we've approached these two games, Andy, and that we had the ex-coaches from the first matchup with uh, Tom Crean and Bruce Weber. Uh, then today we'll get the ex-player from it all. With Tom Coverdale. Gosh, I forgot about that ankle injury in the final four. Oh, yeah. The ankle injury. Yeah, yeah. Wonder what they would do differently to it now. They'd spin some blood into it or what Remember they that would do. Maryland team? Oh, yeah. I remember. Lonnie Baxter. Lonnie Baxter. Remember that big old Juan dude Dixon? down low? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that Was team. Steve Blake on that team? Steve Blake's on that team. I mean, dude, Blake played how Is many Gary years? Williams still sweating on the sidelines? He's somewhere. Yeah, Gary's somewhere. But They I think- beat Sampson in the final four, right? Oklahoma? Uh, yes, I-, I told you this, that I thought, like, I think Tom Coverdale is just, he's just, he's Indiana basketball. Does that make sense? Like, he's got the perfect name for it right here in the, you know, in central Indiana area. Went to IU, balled out at IU, played hobbled at IU, nearly won a national title at IU. And I think uh, for a lot of people, hell, a lot of people my age, I'm 39, and that's a scary thing to say. I think he kind of epitomizes Kind of an era. I think he's one of the guys that epitomizes sure. an era of college basketball at IU. I really do. I feel that way. Yeah, and I, I genuinely meant. It. I mean, as someone that grew up in Hamilton County, it sure. was you know whatever. Uh, I guess I don't know. Ten years younger than Tom. I don't know Tom's exact age, but you know about ten years younger than him. Uh, I lived to go to the mill on a Friday or Saturday. <laughs> to go see, ball out. Yeah, I just... see Tom play there, and it sounds like I believe Noblesville's got a pretty good team. This year again, we usually have Greg Rakestraw on in this segment, but with such a loaded show here today on a variety of topics, we've bumped Greg a little bit. Um, so we're going to have Mike Chapel coming up at nine again. For those that missed it late last night, honestly, probably a good amount of people were in bed. Dwight Freeney into the Hall of Fame. He's part of the five member class for 2024. Reggie Wayne still having to wait. We'll talk with Chap behind the scenes about that. Again, Sasha Stefanovic from Purdue going to join us at nine thirty. Uh, and bef- we did a little trade deadline heavy in that 7.30 segment. Uh, I-, I thought you used the exact word that we should in describing the Pacers' effort last night. Listless was the word you used very early in the show, Andy Sweeney. Uh, I'd make the argument one of the more um, disappointing performance of the season, period. I mean, when you look at the margin, you look at the fact that Golden State landed here at 3.30 in the morning well, They were healthy, last too. Night. The Pacers are healthy. They had no excuse. Clay Thompson doesn't play. Yeah, yeah. Steph was Steph, and it was you know an unbelievable watch, certainly. But, st- I mean, some of these dudes, I mean, Santos, <laughs> who? How many? He what had to Santos have had double alone. figures. Uh, Santos, what did he have? He had 13. Can you pronounce 25's last name for me who came off the bench? The uh, lefty? Uh, uh, Podazemski? Well, the with other the one, the too. Hair? The guy, not the guy with the hair. Yeah, that one I got no chance to pronounce. The, mo- not Moody. Oh, uh. Um, the oh the kid from Memphis, Lester. I know. Uh, yeah. He's from Memphis. Yeah, he played at Memphis. You know why I remember him at Memphis? Uh, Lester uh, Quinanis. Is that how you say it? The reason I remember him in Memphis. Hey, he played a couple years and he was a big time recruit and he was a guy that went pro and people were like, eh, is he really a pro? Is and this is stupid, okay? But consuming a lot of college basketball, he wore extremely, like we're talking John Stockton level short shorts. Oh, I feel like that's kind of back in. Yeah, it's not only is it back in, but it was 
uncomfortable oh. how high his Jeez. shorts were. Okay. Well. So if you're wondering why I remember old Lester, that's why. Uncomfortable for him or uncomfortable for uh, you to un- watch? Just, uh, just you know, I mean, yeah, the short shorts, but you're like, all right, these are athletes. It's kind of the in style. You get it. But then take it up even a couple more inches to the to the level of yeah. kind of Didn't uncomfortable. Didn't think we'd be here on yeah. Friday, <laughs> eight nineteen in the morning. I, I was talking. Who, who prefer, way, Tom, prefer a standing interview than a sitting? Yeah. One who, point, by the right? way, Tom Coverdale probably wore shorts at IU that were you know fifteen times longer than what Lester wore at Memphis. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I was talking with an IU buddy of mine yesterday, and, and I, I admitted I got a little sideways with the head when he said this. He was like, "Yeah, why?" Why not start Patrick or Patrick Sparks? Talk about a legend at Kentucky. Why not start? What's his name? Is it Peyton Sparks? Peyton God, Sparks, like, yeah, from Ball you. State. Yeah, now I'm thinking of Patrick Sparks with a big old T-shirt at Kentucky. <laughs> he Peyton did. He Sparks, wore, he wore massive T-shirts. Just a hack Edie early in the game tomorrow night. I'm like, really? Oh, Is that the boy. route you want? I mean, you got to start yeah. where. I mean, it's got to be where and renew, and you just yep. pray they don't get into foul trouble. I don't know. Maybe a maybe a front. Maybe you junk it up a whole lot. Hell, Mike Woodson doesn't strike me as a dude that would ever believe in. I don't know what you do, but you got to try and roll with your horses in this one, don't you? Not you have to. I mean. The problem with doing that is then, then suddenly you're you're in you know you put them now in the producing bonus the bonus with twelve and, minutes to right, go. That's and what happened yeah, against Northwestern. Yeah, you have Braden Smith, a lawyer, and those guys, Lance Jones, walk into the uh, to the line and knocking down free throws because those are the guys that are going to have the ball in their hand. I- I'll say this: two things on this game. I said it earlier this week, uh, maybe it was even last week, KB, that I'm interested how both fan bases feel about this game, specifically IU. I mean, you know, even though it's a rivalry game, uh, it only takes, you know, in 40 minutes, anything can happen. Like last year to me, the two games last year and IU walking into Mackey and winning means nothing to me because of who Indiana had on their team. I mean, Indiana's team was so much better. I can't say, well, you know what happened last year? Indiana's team last year was really good. So to me, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. I wonder, and I, I, I think... There are a sizable amount of IU fans, KB. They're just like let's let's just not let's not have what happened last time happen. Let's just get through this game. I still think there's a lot. And then on the Purdue side, I am very strong in. Hey, this is one of those where you put the boot on the throat type of game. Uh, you lost twice to them last year. Um, uh, th- you know they, they are not. A, I mean, they're a hobble team, and Indiana, quite frankly, not a good team. You don't let them hang around. I mean, to me, this is one of those that you do a little bit of what you did uh, a couple weeks ago is boot on the throat. You put them out of their misery and you show them who's boss type of game. I really do. It seems like 10 years ago at this point, but man, that performance by Jalen Huchifino last year in Mackey. I mean, you even talk about going down in the you know annals of great individual IU-Purdue performances. Gosh, that has to rank. <laughs> Pretty high on that list, especially on the road. Think about this as well. I mean, you know, Purdue was great last year. We believe with Lance Jones, you know, the the freshman growing up and all those, you know, Edie's a little bit better and all those things that that you know we talk about that from the Purdue side and they were great last year and they're great right now, perhaps even better. Indiana last year, I mean, KB a year ago they were flying high. You beat Purdue twice. I mean, TJD is at times in a lot of these games the the best player on the floor. Hood Shafino is a first round, you know, at that point it's like, wow, is he a top ten? Is he lottery? He's a first round guard. And you're feeling like, okay, you know, we're we're rolling here with Mike Woodson and some of the recruiting that was going on at that time, but you beat Purdue and you're and you're sitting there thinking, Boy, if you're an Indiana fan, this is the high of highs from kind of the frustration that you had been through 
end of Tom Crean, obviously Archie Miller, and the beginning of Mike Woodson, that you had finally broke broken through. Did you feel that way uh, with Indiana? And now it's a year later, and we're talking about buyouts in the future of Mike Woodson and not having a guard that's worthy to play at the high level in the Big Ten. That's what we're talking about. Again, the health of Cleo Ware we'll keep an eye on as uh, we get closer to tip-off coming up tomorrow night. I'm assuming that's Gus Johnson, right? 8 o'clock tomorrow night? Does yeah, that scream boy, Gus on Fox? I, you know, I saw it at, earlier in the week, and I, and I should have uh, was it made not a Gus? note of it. Oh, it's got to be I, Gus, I, I right? Assumed, it's Fox. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just assumed so. that would be the case. Again, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Pacers will be in New York tomorrow night uh, to map out the rest of the show. Mike Chappell coming up at 9. Again, he'll share his thoughts on Dwight Freeney into the hall. Another year of waiting, and I would guess, and having conversations before with Reggie Wayne, another year of obvious frustration for him and not getting into the Hall of Fame. And Sasha Stefanovic certainly has played in this rivalry, and he'll be the one impacting some of it tomorrow night. He is a key, uh, for lack of a better term, out-of-bounds play guy for Purdue. Uh, we'll, we'll chat with him coming up at 9.30. Before all of that, morning checkdown time. Yeah, not a good one last night. A listless performance from the Pacers. 131-109. That's your final in Gamebridge. Pacers now 29-24 and on the season. Post-game and unhappy Rick Carlisle. We got beat by their hard play and our lack of hard play. Simple as that. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was ugly. I think we lost every quarter. Very disappointing. Yeah, so the Pacers now, like I said, 29-24 and on the season. They're back on the road. Next game coming up, the New York Knicks and uh, their battle with OG Ananobi. Of course, the big news yesterday, Buddy Heald being traded. We've heard a lot of Chad Buchanan sound this morning. Uh, There's good, there's bad, but Buddy Heald is gone. Benedict Matherin and others are going to have to step up. And Matherin, I think, was very good last night as well. No, no, no. Coming back from the illness, no. Um, Probably one thing to note in the Pacers... They're just a half game out of the plan. So, again, they've had such the lose three, win three. Lose, like, it's been just this back and forth. You add it all up, really, since the Siakam trade. They're, like, right at 500. But right now, Orlando and Miami lurking right there. Orlando's already won the head-to-head against you this season. So just you don't want to flirt with that too much here as you get into the final two months of the season. Uh, again, all-star break coming up. Uh, NBA really now will take over Gamebridge Fieldhouse and the entire down. For those that haven't been downtown, you've got massive Devin Booker poster up on what is that the is that the Hyatt I think across the street and you know the big Nike poster. I mean it is certainly very much starting to look like a different downtown with an NBA centric feel all around. The airport is crazy because not only do they have the court, but all like the walking, moving walkways, they all have banners of the All Star Game. Really? It's everywhere. Yeah. What if they just had a road that was all just role players? Or like a road just for Kyrie Irving in his uh, shoes from China. <laughs> you want like Oscar Shibway yeah. to get the Rising well, no, Stars just, game to get just, some love just here? Just like good role players. There's like an alley where they just put murals like up. Like TJ of good, McConnell yeah, in the Red Garter of, or something of, like that? glue guys okay. in the NBA. Well, Wouldn't uh, you like that? Come on. We might have Adam Silver next week. Is that correct, Mark? Maybe you can pitch that to, we can uh-huh, ask him. to the yeah. commissioner. Hey, what about mm-hmm. the guys who play you know 18 minutes a game? They're real glue guys. What, what are we targeting day-wise for that? Mark, Tuesday. I don't know if we can share that. The 13th. So okay. what is that, Tuesday? Tuesday. So him and Rick Carlisle, same day? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Nice. Pretty All right. big show. We will. Tuesday at 9.30 has been what I've been told. Got it. Commissioner Silver hopefully joining us here coming up 
next week. All right, uh, IU Purdue, as we said, 8 o'clock. We've uh, kind of messed around with this all week long. Andy, what are we settling on? We're guessing the line around 13 or 14? Yeah, that, I, I'm sticking with that, even oh. though Kempom has this as a 19-point game. Makes me think it could be even higher well, I was of trying a spread, to think, but that's a high spread. When they played Michigan, I thought that was 17 and a half at home. When they played Penn State, I think it was right around that. You could be looking at 16 and a half, 17 and a half. I know it's a lot. I understand it's a lot of points. I mean, hell, I was laughing at the, what, 10 and a half, 9 and a half I, in the first matchup, I, I, and Vegas probably, said, watch this. Yeah, I'd probably take it and feel pretty comfortable up to like 15 and a half, maybe. And then after that, you know. Things happen. If it's a you know if it's a twenty five point game, Purdue's not going to be playing all of their guys thirty eight minutes, and IU could hit a couple threes, you know, at the end and kind of make it closer. But backdoor yeah. cover situation, yeah, a backdoor cover. I like Mark. He's on the he's on the apps lately. CJ Gunn comes in and gives yeah. you a little backdoor Gunn, cover. We'll all exactly. That. Uh, Butler <laughs> Providence tomorrow two o'clock at Hinkle. Again, when you look at these two teams right now, Butler seemingly on the right side of the bubble. And Providence just on the wrong side of it. Huge game uh, for these two teams when you look at how the month of February is for Butler after at UConn and at Creighton. Butler now home for three straight. Important to get some of these. Continue to bolster that resume. For Indiana State, they are at Missouri State coming up tomorrow. 21-3 and three on the year are the Sycamores. Just continue to hold serve. And I think if they do that, win a game in the Missouri Valley Tournament, I think that will be enough if they do need to go the at-large route. All right, Pro Football Hall of Fame. A big congratulations to Dwight Freeney making the Hall of Fame. That was announced. What time? I mean, 10.30 last yeah. night. It yeah, was I like, come on, I want to go to bed. I, I know. Do it, was, it already. It They're doing like things. magic tricks with Goodell. I'm like, come on. <laughs> he is get right. Get Penn and Teller out of there. He, it's a very awkward show, if I'm going to be totally honest I, I, it's with you. Just, yeah, I, I like the way they used to do it, but regardless, I understand the, the NFL has to make everything a TV show and everything a spectacle. I totally get it, but whatever. So Dwight Freeney, uh, we'll get to some of his sound here in a second. Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, the modern guys making the Hall of Fame. And after it all, the spin move from Dwight Freeney. He talked about that after the announcement. For me, you know, I, I was blessed to have great coaches around me that gave me the ability and the freedom to do whatever it took to get to the quarterback. And I've been spinning since high school. So for me, it was very natural. And, I, you know, it, was, it wasn't taught. It was a move that was, I guess, never turn your back to the quarterback because you can't see where the ball is. Now you see it everywhere. And um, I just feel real good about that as a guy who is one of the first guys to kind of do it. Yeah, I think one thing, too, about Dwight's career, obviously we remember here locally for his incredible tenure with the Colts, you know, he had a nice cup of coffee in Arizona. I mean, he was, wasn't he on that Atlanta Super Bowl team as well? Mm -hmm. Really stepped up for them in the postseason. You know, he had some moments even after uh, certainly his storied run here with the Colts. It was Uh, funny seeing, like, the the teams that you kind of forget that they played for, like congratulating them when they made it. (laughs) It like the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, Devin Hester, good job. Devin Hester yeah. was on the Seahawks. Andre I totally Johnson of the Colts. That. Yeah, yeah, that was a. So Freeney played where? He played Seattle. Yep. He played Arizona. Yep. He played Atlanta. Yep. He played Detroit. No. No. I don't think Detroit. No. Is that right? No, he did. 2017. That. Well, what was that then? Oh, did he? I'm not seeing it. He I played, don't remember that. I'm looking at ESPN. I don't he remember played, that. He played on the Lion. Colts, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Lions. Yeah, the, I have no recollection of the Chargers. I have no recollection yeah, the of, of the Lions. Yeah, the Chargers was the one I thought you were going to forget about. Chargers, he had two years. Yeah, of, I don't he, remember well, the he Chargers. Had, he had one year where he didn't play almost at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Freddie's he's great, a man. guy that probably doesn't get drafted where he got drafted nowadays. You know, we're, we're such sticklers in today's NFL on height and measurables and all. I mean, he was what six one and two eighty five, two ninety. I, I don't even know what he was officially listed at. That dude ain't getting taken. Whatever he was, what was he eleventh overall? Eleventh overall. overall. Look at you, like yeah, eleventh overall. Hell of a pick by Bill Polian. I believe Bill Polian going to join Jake and Jimmy. At uh, 1 o'clock today. 1 o'clock yeah, today. So Bill Polian at 1 o'clock today uh, with uh, Query and company. Uh, did you have a hot take on Reggie Wayne not making it? Well, I, I, again, wide receivers turned into political. It, it's turned into travel baseball. It's, uh, you know, you, no, you, uh, you got to wait your turn. Chap, I think, will explain it really well with us coming up. Mike, Mike, Mike Chappell at 9 o'clock. Again, for me with wideout. When I saw Marvin Harrison had to wait three years to get in the Hall of Fame, I'm like, what are we doing? It's not a get in line. This is not Disney World. If you're the best, you get to the front of the line. You get the, uh, what do they call it, Mark? The uh, the the easy pass. What do you and, call and it? The fast, that way. the fast pass. The fast pass. Like, I feel that way about Antonio well, I, Gates listen, not getting you. in last night. Like, I, I would have had Gates over Patrick Willis. To me, it, that's first just me. ballot matters. Like I think Adam Vinatieri should be a first balloter next year. You think year. he will? Boy, he's kicked in so many big moments. Right, and that to just me, it's so just many. like, that should matter. If you're trying to like, yes, Hall of Famer is a Hall of Famer, but to me, you can separate it a little bit by saying, oh, I was a first balloter. You know, that to me sure. is the oh, it upper, upper echelon. Yeah, I, I thought, when I saw Marvin had to wait three years, and oh, no, we got to get Andre Reed in. I'm like, what? The- are, are they going to be able to have a gold jacket for Vinatieri that's big enough for the guns he's got? Well, that's a great Dude point. Dude is jacked. Maybe they just come with, like, sleeveless and get rip the sleeves off. <laughs> Dude is Jack. They let Erlacher and Ray Lewis in, in the same year. They should be able to do that with wide receivers or any position. Well, for I mean, that they even did it this year with defense. I mean, they want Julius Peppers and Dwight Franey. I mean, hell, even and Patrick Willis to throw on top of it. I mean, it's I will say this about Freeney. The one cool thing about Freeney is in all of the announcements and all of the headlines. Dwight Freeney and Julius Peppers lead the class. Does that make sense? So, you know, Dwight Freeney, Julius Peppers lead the 2024 class. I I find that to be neat. Do you think, so the Andre Johnson argument is look who he played with quarterback-wise. Should that matter? Like, Reggie Wayne gets punished. That's crazy sound. Reggie Wayne gets punished by the committee for playing with Peyton Manning. Well, he gets punished for drawing the second corner when he was Mm -hmm. up next to Marvin Harrison, and he gets punished for Peyton Manning and Drew Luck. Yeah, I just think... there's no doubt. So should it matter to me? No, but does it? It absolutely does. Okay, we'll talk more about this. The trade deadline for the Pacers. They were active for sure. What does it all mean? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We'll try to explain that. Appreciate Tom Coverdale joining us about a half an hour ago. Mike Chappell will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Uh, cannot wait to talk with him. We'll uh, do all that. You miss anything, 1075thefan.com. We'll dive back into some Pacer conversation. I did see, and I don't know if you saw this, that there was one pesky voter that did not vote Lamar Jackson NFL MVP last night. Did you happen to see that? There was one guy, no, uh, I know everything can get super secret, but we got to find out who the one guy has Twitter. Has the internet found out who the one man or woman who did not make Lamar Jackson unanimous so last voted, night? Voted. Josh Allen. 
There was one, there was one first place vote that went. <laughs> that at went that point, everybody else in, like on the east coast was sleeping. At that, I was going to say well, I turned it off right after here's, the uh, here's what Hall of Fame. Here's what happens there, uh, and this this man this happened to someone I know. I, I got to remember the story. Is you you submit these votes. And you don't know totally, you know, how everyone else is going to vote. And then they put up 49 out of 50. And then this guy had to realize, wait a minute, there wasn't a second person that wrote along with me. <laughs> everyone R- went Raven's flock is going to it's going to just absolutely attack. Uh, yes. You kind of sidle out of the I room at that imagine. point, right? You're kind of like, yeah. it wasn't me. I think you come out and say, yeah, it was me. I like Josh Allen. He took the Buffalo Bills to the postseason, and here's why I like Josh Allen uh, over Lamar Jackson. All right, let's get back into Pacers. The trade deadline and everything last night. Uh, we'll hear from Chad Buchanan again here uh, in a second. Obviously, Buddy Heald moving is the conversation piece. You know, one thing we haven't totally talked about, it's probably good to do so because you love your guy Benedict Matherin. What do you think this does for Benedict Matherin? Uh, I don't know whether it's more playing time, whether it's a little bit more pressure. I, I kind of think yeah, Carlisle could, would ride with him if he were playing well anyway, even even if Buddy well, were I, here. Yeah, playing time maybe not as much, but certainly when he's out there, he now can dominate the ball even more. I mean, he can be that guy with the second unit. You know, we, we did the exercise earlier. If you map out the second unit, McConnell, Matherin, maybe some Shepard. You would think McDermott, you know, Jalen Smith. It, yeah, I mean, Matherin's going to be the catalyst for that group, and I think he fits out really well. I know last night he obviously didn't play well, but certainly uh, that was his main role last season, and even this year. Um, he's had some big, big scoring nights for you uh, as that catalyst. I'm excited to see more of Ben Shepard. Um, I, I know it doesn't look maybe the cleanest with him at all times. The shot has not been super consistent by any means, but I feel like... He played the, 20 minutes last night. The kid really knows what he's doing. And I think he gives you something that maybe you don't just pull up the box score the morning after the game and, and and you can find. So I am interested to see a little bit more on that front. I do think one negative of the trade yesterday is the fact that y- you are helping arguably your biggest competitor. I mean, Philadelphia needs offensive punch right now. Uh, when Joel Embiid does get back, maybe if he gets back, I guess, uh, shooting around him, is what makes sense. So I do think that is one bummer aspect to it. I think in a perfect world, you would have shipped Buddy to the West or certainly not, you know, traded him to Philly. Because again, Andy, with, you know, the Sixers in a bit of a free fall right, right now, you got to think you fast forward two months, these two teams are going to be neck and neck in those standings for some sort of positioning. Or you could even see them, you know, in a round one series there. So I do think that is one. Uh, just kind of bummer aspect to it. Well, it is, and you mentioned, uh, you know, right now the the Pacers are a half game away from being in the play in type situation, and that's and not, those are two teams a half game back, well, right? It's, it's Orlando it's, and Miami, it's my, isn't it? Yeah, it's Miami and then Orlando, and we know how. Listen, we know Miami if they can just get into the dance, we know what they can do. They remind you of a little bit of like you know, there's always NCAA tournament teams. It's like, well, if such and such they get in, that's not the type of team uh, that you want to face. Miami is probably that. I, I would say I'll go back to what I said in the seven o'clock hour. I just feel the overriding conversation here is the Pacers understand and 
and you need to understand where they think they are, and that is that they're ahead of schedule, and that is Buddy Heald, um, whether he didn't want to be there. Now, I know Buchanan did not want to talk about it after if Buddy actually requested a trade or not, and it doesn't really matter because they got a nice haul for him that, hey, this roster's not done. This is not, you know, okay, now we're good for the for the rest of Hadleburn's time here on the max deal. Now here we are. Like, we know... I mean, don't you feel like they have another sizable swing in them? And so when you get some, sorry, JMV, you get a little bit of draft capital and you don't hamstring yourself. Oh, he might call in. Uh, I know you don't hamstring. Even though I agree with you. Listen, there's no doubt like this year you could make the case that the rest of the year you can't sell the Doug, the Doug, the, you know, Dougie Buckets is as good as what fans have seen the last couple years. So you don't believe Heald. in that the indirectly you've gotten better defensively but, well, by I think, not paying, not playing, buddy. I, I, I think it's this. I, I think the offensive stuff. Move that aside because you know people are going to ride with Buddy Heald on that. The question is, how will the defense once we get maybe a couple weeks of data with this? How how much better? You know, Ben Shepard's playing closer to twenty minutes, uh, and Andrew Nemhard. We start to get to you know maybe 10, 11, 12, 13 games of him being in the starting lineup. We're at three games right now, three or four games right now for Andrew Nemhard. Matherin, uh, if he's a better defender than even Buddy Matherin, playing even more minutes or more time on the floor, whatever it is. But I, I just think I think they've shown that they're not locked in that this is this is the roster. They like where they are, but they're not going to be content and they're going to make another sizable move. I'm still happy they didn't make the move of Andrew Wiggins and he was fine, whatever, 11 points, 13 points, whatever uh, he had last night. But that's my thing. They understood um, that, you know, Buddy's not going to be back. I think the 2024 pick could kind of be valuable, uh, whether they want to use that, uh, if they want to move that. But, you know, early second round picks are not just toss away picks. Plus, I mean, this team probably feels like they're drafting pretty well right now, don't they? Yeah, I'll be curious to see exactly what happens with that pick. You know, by all accounts, pretty weak draft in 2024. Certainly, yeah. I mean, you found Andrew Nemhard in that range. You know, I, I don't think I'm be naive to act like that as a given with how second round picks go. But certainly, you know, you threw in a second round pick to get Halliburton and Heald. If you want to go back to that trade, you threw in a second round pick, ended up turning into a first rounder from Cleveland that went to you know Toronto for the Siakam trade. So you never know how those things will will evolve. I I do think, and this is you know probably a topic that I try to harp on yesterday that final question for the Pacers can you get better defensively again Doug McDermott is not doing that it's more of you're now playing them hard more you're playing Neesmith more you're playing Shepard a little bit more I'm not gonna act like Matherin is some guy that excels on the defensive end of the floor uh, that'd be stupid of me so uh, you know does that help you out at all because again and you saw it at times last night I mean I'm trying to think of a game you especially saw it I guess it would have been maybe that Boston game. Yeah, Reggie Miller was the one just harping on it mm-hmm. like none other. The start of that Boston game, I mean, Reggie was about ready to jump out of his chair being like, they are hunting Tyrese Halliburton. If you watch this on the defensive end of the floor, I mean, Derek White, I mean, whatever, they are trying to get that matchup where it's Tyrese. If that becomes playoff time and it's Buddy and Tyrese on the floor together, uh, teams aren't stupid. They aren't born yesterday. They know full well what they're going to do. Now you eliminate one of that. Can you hide Halliburton a little bit better when that part of the season arrives? That is a question that I do have. Again, I do not. I, I will not sit here 
and act like Buddy healed for Doug McDermott is some <laughs> even sort of <laughs> right. swap. Buddy yeah. has a reputation, and he's just a different shooter. I mean, they are very different types of shooters. Uh, Plus, he was a starter. Dougie Buckets was off the bench on a bad team. Well, yes. I mean, he was off the bench on a bad team. Buddy's been benched here. I mean, he's been benched twice. I mean, I don't think, you know, again, the Pacers have said with Halliburton and Siakam, we have two very gifted offensive players. And to me, the thought there, especially with Halliburton, is he lifts guys offensively. You know, he, he can raise some of that. He creates good opportunities for you. He allows Miles to get more open looks. You know, he puts Neesmith in positions to where he can be more of a scorer. They can't do that defensively. Or, and again, more Halliburton than Siakam, but they are not that on that end of the floor. So that is where you try to eliminate some of your poor defenders, and that's why you've put... Nemhard and Neesmith, Nemhard especially. That's why you put him in the starting lineup. Because if you were going for your it's offensive lineup, yeah, it's not you would not put Nemhard out no. there. You'd put probably Mathern out there or Heald if he were still here. So I think that is some of the thought process with this move. Uh, here's Chad Buchanan again post game Pacers GM talking about trading Buddy Heald. Buddy's obviously a terrific player. Uh, has meant a lot to our team the last you know couple of years. Um, he's got a great spirit. Obviously a phenomenal shooter. We're always trying to you know look look long term with his team, building this thing. Step by step, I think you know, dating back to you know last year when we kind of went in this new direction with this team, it's it's going to be a process of building the team. We want to get to the point where we're contending for championships, and that's going to take some time. It's not going to happen immediately. Uh, we feel good about the moves. You know, Pascal is going to be a big part of you know things moving forward. Um, but you know, Buddy is is a player that you know contributed valuably to us on the court in the locker room. Um, but we're also in the situation where we got to make some tough decisions and building this team. You know. Requires some tough decisions, and today was one of them. I think that's pretty level-headed. I mean, I think that's Buchanan. That's the front office of the Pacers telling you exactly what they're thinking, and it's kind of what I keep going back to is uh, even though they're ahead of schedule, people want them to be a little bit more of a finished product this year, and the reality is they're trying to to find that balance of this year. That's why they brought in you but know still have buckets. a little flexibility and, and, moving and, and forward and to have and to have the pick and to have some flexibility and to, and to get some money back and to not be. I mean, no one here really wanted to be tied to sixteen, seventeen million or whatever it may be uh, for Buddy Heald. The thing I would say with you. On, I wanted to answer back on the defense because you're right. I mean, when you have uh, some of these guys on the floor, some of them, you know, the Celtics go right after Halliburton. I think this is the next step of this is they are, are finding out, have found out what they need, KB. And so now the next guy they go get, given that you have Halliburton, who's a big-time offensive player, and you have Siakam, you sign him to the max deal, he's a big-time offensive player. They now know, hey, the next guy we're going to pay a lot of money to, or guys that we're going to pay a lot of money to, are going to fix the issue that we have. And that's the defensive side of the basketball. I will say, it's good that they did not get OG Ananobi. He's out with an elbow injury for at least three more weeks. I mean, this guy's played, what, two games with the Knicks? No, I mean, no, no, no. He's or played. Just a, has he played? How many, many more games? than two, okay, yeah. I mean, he, he played virtually the whole month of January. Okay, but I mean, he's going to end up missing a month? Perhaps, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to overreact more? to a three-week injury and say that that doesn't mean the truth. They had the biggest defensive turnaround in NBA history from one month to the next. Yeah, but, I, I, but I you're think Ananobi helps them. But you're happy right now. You don't. The, you didn't give three first-rounders for OG Ananobi. Right. But, I mean, the Knicks aren't doing this for a one-month thing. I mean, the Knicks are building this for the next several years on I, that. He is a free agent. 
Well, I think the assumption there is they're bringing him back with the moves they made yesterday. And I think that's obviously the same thing the Pacers feel about Siakam on that end. Mike Chappell talking NFL Hall of Fame with us in about 10. Sasha Stefanovich, Purdue, joining us at 930. Again, the Pacers still do have an open roster spot. Something to keep an eye on as the buyout market plays out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Mike Chappell, NFL Hall of Fame in 10. Mike Chappell, join us coming up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Up top of the hour, we'll talk about Dwight Freedy making the Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne will have to wait uh, another year. And then Sasha Stambanovich going to join us coming up at 9.30. Purdue great also right now on that staff there, Director of Player personnel are you still riding with the 49ers i am debo samuel the mvp vote uh bet i should say not vote um the bet is in so that is again ten dollars to win 250 Mm. on the debo samuel so this is what i'm uh this is what i'm tickling with on sunday i don't even know if that's the right word to use all right (laughs) do that in your own time sir (laughs) what are you tickling with just sounded absolutely awful uh plus what did I get? Twenty five hundred, yeah, right? For yeah, Debo. Yeah. Okay. And then I got that 49ers one to six points. Okay. Winning by one to six. You talked about that yesterday. Okay. I think okay. I was like plus three thirty. Those are the two I'm riding with. And then I'll obviously sprinkle a few of the props. Well, I do have to call you out a little bit yesterday. So you told us you you took the Niners. And then I also saw you yesterday put out Max Bowen picked, yes. the, picked the Niners. So I you knew before you picked the Niners <laughs> yesterday that Max Bowen, who's like eleven yeah. and six, making everyone thousands of dollars here in central Indiana, that he had already the great Swami, if you will, that he had already picked sure. the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Right, I'll yeah. take the Chiefs, I guess. Though. Some people were surprised to not see him in Vegas, honestly, well, Max, with the effort that he has. He could, have been, he could so, yes. have been on Radio Row. I am tailing the 17-month-old. <laughs> I've got the big bet for me. It was a free bet I had. Uh, Travis Kelsey, first touchdown score, and Christian McCaffrey to score two touchdowns. Uh, I sprinkled more than I normally would. $35 to win 980 Oh, I like it. I like Wait, my, wait, wait. My... Walk me through that. Travis what, what are Kelsey's Kelsey... odds? To score the Are first. those together? You parlay yes, those? Parlay, two? Oh yes. boy, that's rich. I know. Uh, that's a free bet, so that's why I did it. Because <laughs> like, well, what the hell? Who cares? Uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey to be the first touchdown score in the game. Then Christian Caffrey to score two or more touchdowns. Thirty-five. I to pay like 980. it. I like it. Now you Mark two Dykton. officially, we still need to get your picks. I'm, right? I'm mm-hmm. going Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Right, I'm, right. I'm going to say Kansas City wins. The the, re, the reason why defense and I don't have to worry about their quarterback showing up. That would probably be it. 49ers. I rode with them in the playoffs. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick. So I will roll with. I'm the riding with Jimmy. Cook. Can you cut this audio? The fact that I'm not betting Patrick Mahomes with the points for the third straight game, mm-hmm. I feel like such an idiot. Will and you, you said you weren't going to Monday. No, you said you weren't going to do that yeah, again. I know. That's my analysis of I'm tired of just betting against Mahomes, I, 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 watching the game, being wrong, and coming I, in here on a look, Monday. Kansas City played really great against Baltimore. I also thought Baltimore gifted them. Two huge turnovers in that game. I mean, if yeah. the Zay Flowers fumble oh, yeah. on the goal line, does it yeah. happen? Does it change the game? Well, I mean, Lamar throwing a touchdown. Nine penalties in, for 95 yards? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I just expect a little different from Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Mike Chappell, why didn't Reggie get in? Why did Dwight get in? We'll talk with the great Mike Chappell next. 
Mike Tapple going to join us here in just a second. I'm looking at Mike's timeline, and it's all over the internet. But uh, KB, I just absolutely love the uh, the videos when the players find out that they're going to be oh, in same. the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. like literally, yeah. it's one of my favorite things all year. Yeah, I love nerding the, out with that. Yeah, stuff. Uh, on the sports calendar, there's so much crap in sports. Uh, it's always uh, a a it's a it's a it's a it's a joyful moment, but it's organic joy. Uh, I guess is probably uh, the best way to put it. Let's get him in. Mike Chappell joining us here uh, on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Fox 59, CBS 4. Mike, uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us. I guess, what were your emotions as Dwight Freeney made the Hall of Fame? And if you have a couple things in your mind, what explains the greatness that we saw for so many years here in Indianapolis with Freeney? Well, just the unique quality was, uh, you know, was he 6'1"? They list him at like 268, and I'm not sure he was ever quite that big. He was sort of the first wave, I think, of different body-typed linemen. You know, when he came here, it was always pretty small. He's one of those people, and there's a lot of them in a lot of places, that was a perfect fit, perfect fit for Tony Dungy's defense. He just was. Uh, but he had that spin move, and we've written about it and talked about it, and I've talked to him at length about it. And had a chance to talk to Joe Thomas, uh, the all-time great left tackle that from the Browns that went into the Hall of Fame last year about Freeney, and he said he said he was the greatest pass rusher that he ever faced in his 11 years. And he said the spin move revolutionized the position. He said before Freeney, he said guys were doing the spin move, but they were like spinning in place, maybe side to side. He said when Freeney did it, he was always advancing. Hmm. He said it was like he was teleporting himself from here to the quarterback, and you just didn't know how to block it, and you know, I, I, I'm really pleased that Dwight got in. Uh, and, I, and I have to tell you guys that, you know, locally he's looked at as a great, great all-time player. Nationally, he's viewed more than that. He is. His his presence nationally is is more than it is locally. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, that two defensive linemen get in, uh, Dwight and Julius Peppers, who were both 2002 Draft class, you know, number one pick and number eleven pick. Normally, normally you don't get two guys into the spot just because there's so many quality players and deserving players. But it just kind of showed you how everyone viewed Dwight, and, and I, I'm sure people are PO'd. I know Jared Allen. I saw Jared Allen posted, or, or he went and told the Minnesota Patriots he was pretty pissed off about it. Well, you know, that's and, and people here are really upset that Reggie didn't make it, and I'm one of them. But there's only what people have to understand. We won't get too deep into the weeds with the process, but only five modern era guys get in every year, just five. So it's one of those, well, this guy should have got in. Well, who do you want to leave out? Well, I don't want to leave anybody out. Oh, no, no, you've got to leave somebody out <laughs> right. to get your guy in. So I, And I know Reggie doesn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, but hopefully next year is his year. And Mike Chappell is with us here, Chap. Thanks for waking up with us, Fox Fifty Nine, CBS. I did set my alarm. I, I did well, set my alarm. Just, thank you. you no, know I did. Thought about calling. I don't know. I thought about maybe. I, do I have to call Kathy here? I, I just wanted to make sure that 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 you'd be joining us. So thank you, a man of your word. After a late night last night, we greatly greatly appreciate it. Uh, I guess let's start with Reggie. Did he get to the final ten, Chap? Because I know that that has even been a bit of a question before. No, he, he, this was his fifth year. 
uh, last year he made the cut to 10. He and, and again, the way it works, we get the 15 guys and we all debate the guys. The guy from the market, that guy's market, we discuss him and, and then it's cut to 10 and then you get to the five and then you vote on the five, you know, yay or nay. And last year, Reggie made the final 10, but so did Andre Johnson and Tory Holt, which means they just kind of cut each other up in the votes. This year, Reggie did not make the final 10. Tory Holt, Andre Johnson did, uh, which again, I was, I was steaming, but you know, I, that's the way it is. And so, yeah, it, it, you need although, uh, to say that last year, Dwight did not get to the final 10. Jared Allen did. Hmm. So you normally think, well, then hmm. then the next year, the guy that made the final 10. But uh, th- there's just it, it's so hard for me to explain to people and to myself. As I said, that the national perception of Dwight is off the charts. There's just a. There's for some reason there's a little bit of pushback on Reggie. I don't know what it is. Is it a Colts saturation? There's now been six members of the Colts that includes Freeney or uh, uh, Dungy and Bill Pullian in the last ten years. Maybe people are thinking, hey, if you guys were that great, you should have won more than one Super Bowl. I don't know. Uh, Reggie's numbers, everything about Reggie's career says Hall of Famer. It says Hall of Famer before Tory Holt. It says Hall of Famer before Andre Johnson. Uh, and, you know, I can't go into great detail about our discussions because they're private. But, and so you know, because they want people to speak freely. But I always, you know, I lead off with, you know, there's, there's two guys in league history that are second in, in all-time in catches and yards, regular season and postseason. And it's Jerry Rice and it's Reggie Lane. Yeah. I always thought the postseason so, resume chap for Reggie was what pushed him to Hall of Fame status. Well, because we've put, we've put guys in there, Terrell Davis, almost solely on what he did in postseason. And, and now you're telling me that, that postseason, you know, that's, that's it was 21 games and 93 catches and I don't know, it was 1,200 yards in postseason. That's like, a, that's another season, an entire another season against elite, you know, competition every week. So, yeah, it, it's – it's. I was – I'm not saying Andre Johnson isn't a Hall of Famer. He is. He is. But we've had the the routine of when you have guys at the same position that are really, really equal. I, I could argue for all three of these guys. I could argue stronger for Reggie because I saw him throughout his career. But all three of these guys are – you can argue – six Pro Bowls, seven Pro Bowls, an All-Pro, you know, all this stuff. And I think Reggie and, and Andre averaged like 12.4 yards a catch, and Holt was 13, one or two. So everybody's got their own little thing. But when we've had that before, it's like, okay, wait your turn. We'll get you in, but wait your turn. It was kind of like that with back in Marvin Harrison's day, which that really upsets me. So it was a third year for him. But he had to wait for Andre Reed or you know, Andre Reed, and then he had to wait for uh, Tim Brown. You know, those guys aren't aren't on Marvin level, Marvin mm-hmm. Harrison's level. So it should it should have been, and I would have agreed to it. Although we're, we're never going to get fifty people to agree on on this, but have it have them get in line and go to Baskin and Robbins, and okay, Tory Holt, you're <laughs> first, and then Reggie, and then Andre Johnson, because Tory Holt's been waiting ten years. 
and Reggie, this is five, and Andre Johnson, it was uh, this is his third year. So and people couldn't get past the fact that boy, Andre Johnson, he just looks like a Hall of Famer. He's six three, two thirty. You know, he didn't have Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck throwing the football. It was Matt Schaub was his best. All, all these arguments, and you know, and, and they said, well, you know, he was the only guy that Houston had. Well, if that's the case, then he was the only guy they were thrown to. So his numbers would be fatter. So you, you can do what you want with the arguments. Uh, I, I thought Reggie should have gone in. I just did before Andre Johnson, but that's not to slight Andre. It's not. It's just that Reggie's resume is better, and he's been waiting longer. Mike Tapple with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Fox 59, CBS 4. You kind of talked about it there. I don't know how much you want to say, how much you can say. What are the conversations around a guy like Andre Johnson? Uh, it almost seems like Reggie Wayne gets penalized for being on good teams and having uh, such good quarterbacks throwing to him. Andre Johnson had Matt Schaub. Uh, if not specifically him, when it is something like that, how do those conversations usually go? Yeah, I mean, it's it's here I am arguing the body of work and the playoffs and, you know, all, all the thousand-yard seasons and, and all, all the great moments. And then some, sometimes the other argument is, well, but this guy didn't have – he didn't have these Hall of Fame quarterback and a ball pro or pro bowl quarterback thrown to him. And, and, and again, they're valid arguments, but, but you know, we never penalized – you know, this is a different level, but we never penalized Jerry Rice because Joe Montana and, and Steve Young threw to him or Andre Reid that Jim Kelly threw to him or Michael Irvin because Troy Aikman was there and he also had Emmett Smith. So it, it, to, to some degree, we move the goalposts to suit our argument, which everybody sure. does that in every line of work. But, yeah, it's in, in Reggie's what is he's six foot, probably, I don't know, 205. He's probably a tad heavier now because he's been been away from the game but it's just it's just hard to, to argue when they keep when it's when part of the argument is well he, he was such an imposing figure he was so hard to defend and you know when guys are different a couple of years ago with these same guys in the room calvin johnson was eligible and he jumped the line. Well, yes, yeah, yes, of course he did. He, he he was Calvin Johnson for crying out loud, and he was, you know, he was the the guy that just looks like a Hall. What was he six four six five and you know two forty two fifty and and could run like a deer. But this again, I keep going back to the fact that these, these three guys are in, in in my soul. I believe Reggie will be a ten. I just do. He doesn't want to hear your time will come. Edger James didn't want to hear that. He had to wait six years. He was a finalist four or five, four years, I think it was. And and, and I do believe it's true because I went through this with Edger and, and he was he was PO'd. He really was about you know this is this is my resume. This is what I did. Why isn't this enough? And there, were, there was always a reason, I guess. Uh, but, but then when he got in, he said, well, he said, you don't, you don't think about the weight once you get in. Well, but, but <laughs> until you get in, you're dealing with the weight. It was kind of funny and I didn't argue with him, but when I talked to Dwight about this, he said, yeah, he said, boy, I really wanted to be a first ballot guy last year. That's what everybody wants first ballot. And th- that he didn't like the waiting. Well, he, <laughs> this is the second year for me. He, he doesn't know what waiting is. <laughs> right. 
Right. So, yeah, but yeah again, I, I truly believe Reggie gets in. And and the issue always is, though, is, is like who's in next year's class. Well, the 10 guys that didn't make it this year, most of those guys will be back. Eli Manning, that, that's going to be a fun debate. No, um, that's going to be a fun debate for Eli. Uh, Adam Vinatieri. He's got to be first ballot, right, chap, Vinny? In my mind, there, there's always guys that you stand up and say their name and you sit down. And I think he should be one of those. But, you know, the, the but, he's a kicker. And it took Devin Hester three years. Now, they're different. Vinatieri's resume is, is eons better than Devin Hester. But, gosh, I mean, like four Super Bowls and, and all-time scoring and the two biggest kicks. The two biggest kicks in, in, in Patriots history that won Super Bowls, but the two better kicks to get him going in the old tuck, tuck rule game when he's, it's a blizzard and, and that kind of kick started, pun on words, the, 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 the Patriots run. so But there's always that thing as well. He's a kicker, and it took Morton Anderson a long time, and, Ray Guy, the, the the only punter in the Hall of Fame, who everybody says is the best kicker of all time, he got in as a senior candidate, which is like for 20 years he never got enough, you know, support to get in. So it's just it's who's in the room next year and, and all that. So it's easy to say wait till next year, but then the room changes. And the problem is Reggie's stats don't change. I've always joked with him, you know, could you go out there and play one more year and get me another 1,000 yards? <laughs> but it's, it, he, he, I, I believe he's going to get in. I think the stats are of like 85% of the guys who, who get their name in the room eventually get in, which is great once you get in. But until you get in, you just get tired. Because we're going to we're, we're go through this with Reggie next year, unless he doesn't want to discuss it, uh, leading up to the Hall of Fame with KB and all these guys out there, it's going to be talking to Reggie about, boy, what about this year? Well, he's going to he's going to roll his eyes, and then he'll probably be very accessible and personal and give us what we want. But this is really eating at him, and it should. He is Mike Chappell, the legend, the Hall of Fame voter. Obviously, find his work, CBS4, Fox 59. Chap, nice enough to wake up with us here on this Friday morning. I do want to shift gears, Chap. We did see the tweet from Jim Mercy's account earlier this week, certainly the first real positive update we've had. Uh, from a public standpoint, in, in quite some time. Um, anything more you can add on it, slash do you think we will hear from the owner at any point in the near future? Typically, you know, it's probably a quiet time for him, even in the off season. You know, owners' meetings at the end of March should be kind of the next uh, big point on the schedule, but do you think we hear from him at all? In the near future, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, just the way this thing has unfolded, what he was sort of – out of out of everyone's sight for gosh five weeks six weeks uh, since early December, and that you know that police reporting to his home and what was it December eighth and all that. So no, I I don't think so because you know the the guys who who you know the Stephen Holders and and Joel and those guys go to the owners meetings and that's when they get access to the owner. I don't think. The owner's there. I just don't. Whether Carly would talk in his place, I, I doubt it. I, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing. I've got no inside information on that. And then we've always had him, remember, which is really great at, at, at the draft. Sure. Whether, yeah, Saturday whether of the draft each year. In. Yeah, so I don't think so. I just, you know, he, he, you know, he put on the mend. I think this is going to be a, a, a 
semi-long process, whatever whatever that means. But I, I think it was really encouraging, cautiously encouraging, that we got an update. Because I thought the longer it went on with nothing, and I totally, totally understand the family requesting privacy. This is, you know, this is the daughters and the granddaughters. You know, this is their dad and their granddad, and it's, it's, it, it is a family matter. But, but at the same time, he's the owner of a zillion-dollar corporation, and and there's interest and and concern. So I, I think it was positive. Uh, but no, I. I would be surprised if anytime soon, whatever that means again, we, we talked to Ursay, but to, to get some positive movement with a needle is extremely encouraging in my mind. Do you think we'll get anything from the team or Pete Ward related? Because, you know, they have released a couple of statements. It hasn't been, you know, earth-shattering news, but certainly has provided a little bit more clarity. Or do you think it'll be stand by this, you know, tweet from Ursay's account and then... You know, whenever he does, I guess meet the media again. That'll be the next time. Yeah, I just, I just don't know that the family's going to come off the respect our privacy. I, I just don't. I, and again, I understand that from a, from a family standpoint. I, I think at some point, at some point, whatever again that is, it, the question comes up as well. But who's running the team? And I don't know how. A statement, I guess, would could tell you that well. In in Jim's absence, Carly does this, and Kalen does this, and Casey does this. I I don't know. I mean, they're, they're they're three owners. They're listed as owners, and we've seen Carly out there. She's very very uh, visible. She's sort of doing what her dad did early early in his career when he was picking up jocks with the, the old Baltimore Colts, where he learned from the from the floor. Now, I don't think she's picking up jocks. <laughs> but you see her at owners' meetings. You see her at practice. You see her on game day. You know, with that wristband on and and the headset, and she's really learning the team day to day to day. I I think eventually, at some point, whatever that is, she'll be the catalyst on actually running the team, and then everyone will settle into their role. But they've they've they had to have planned for this type of thing, a succession plan, because, because that's what you do. These are smart people. This is a, a this is big business. And, well, doesn't the NFL you, require to, chap? sorry to interrupt, probably, but yes. does the NFL require a succession plan has to be on file with the league? That's a good I don't know, probably, because, again, there's so much involved uh, with what happens. And that's why I say back in, and I've mentioned this before, back in 2012, I believe it was, the the daughters were named owners, so you know they 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 were three owners, and then Jimmy was whatever it was, chief executive officer, and you know the boss, the the big guy. Uh, whether that had something to do with some technicalities, some legalities, I don't know. They could have left the daughters with what they were. They were I don't know if they were, I can't remember if they were vice presidents or what they were. But there's yes, there's got to be a succession plan. The league probably demands something, and it only makes sense from from a family structure to have that because of everything that's involved. And like I say, was it in 2014 when Jim was suspended for six games for that arrest? I believe Carly and and Pete and at the time Ryan Gregson 
took on a strong role. So they, they, you just, you play. I, I remember talking to Jimmy a lot of times and about whatever, and he always tapped on the, the side of his desk and said, "In this drawer, I've got names of head coach possibilities and GM possibilities." Because you always have to plan for the unexpected, and this is a much l- larger level than that. But of, of course, they they've planned and and. and considered what all the what if scenarios and again at some point i i think it would behoove the team as awkward as it might be to to say this is hey this is we're dealing you know the family's dealing with this but this but rest assured that the, the 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 team is is running smoothly and this is how it's doing I don't know if that's something they 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 should be responsible to do, but it would be a good idea because people people are curious and beyond that. You, again, it's it's a it's a billion dollar business, and you'd like to know that it's in the right, it's being run the right way, which I'm sure that it is. Again, he is the great Mike Chapel, the Hall of Fame voter, providing some wonderful behind the scenes on Dwight Freeney's induction, Reggie Wayne having to wait another year, a little Jim Mercer conversation there to round things out. Chap, uh, great, uh, have a great weekend, I should say, and I guess I'll hopefully see you in a couple weeks down at the Combine. Looking forward to it. You guys be well. Thanks, Chap. It's great stuff. That is Mike Chapel right there it's on the Payless stuff. Liquors Hotline. Again, we've uh, kind of sandwiched around Chap, uh, IU Purdue conversation from a guest standpoint today. Tom Coverdale, outstanding in the 8 o'clock hour. Really looking forward to Sasha Stefanovic, the sharpshooter from the region. Obviously had a very nice career for the Boilers and, all, and has a really key role. I don't know if people are too familiar with it, but a key role on Matt Painter's staff. Uh, we'll chat with him coming up. In about 10 minutes as uh, Purdue and Indiana coming up 8 o'clock. Again, I think first ballot should mean something to me, Andy. And I, agree. And, and I think Adam Vinatieri yeah, should be first ballot next year. I don't totally follow or understand the wide receiver song and dance they've done with that position group in particular over the years. I get it. It's a difficult process. I did find it interesting, and Chap shared with us, the national perception, how different they are on Freeney versus Wayne. I, I don't know if it's because Freeney played in other markets. Oh, you know, oh, he, he, can, can I say something about this? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, I mean, obviously, we started doing the show together in August. You yeah. know, I know Dwight Freeney, <laughs> okay? You know, I mean, we, we all know Dwight Freeney. When we had our first couple conversations and out listening to the station, Reggie Wayne was the one getting the conversation and not Dwight Freeney. And I found that to be interesting because I'm like, I kind of thought it might be Dwight Freeney and then Reggie Wayne. Interesting. And, and, and so, but I just remember not even our conversations, but just, you know, the fan as a whole, it was it was more, hey, Reggie Wayne. And then it felt like when we got closer to last night, you know, we were having the conversations off air. It then switched like, oh, oh no, Dwight Freeney's got a, a better chance than Reggie Wayne. I've also found it interesting. Reggie Wayne was in that top 10 last year. But not this year, right. and that doesn't mean he can't make the Hall of Fame next year. Like Jared Allen Jared, and Dwight, like flips, Jared Allen. I forgot about Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne. I, forgo- I forgot about Jared, Jared Allen. Jared Allen was pissed last yeah, night. I, 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 I could, saw some of his comments. I could see Jared Allen yeah. uh, being upset again. Chap's right. There's only five spots, so you know, <laughs> not everyone can make the Hall of Fame. So Reggie may have to wait another year or two, and I'm I'm sure he's not happy about it. But I, I even feel he gave the 85. percent You know, the guys in that room eventually get in. 
I feel even stronger about Reggie Wayne getting in. He's going to get in. He's just going to have to wait. He's not going to like it, but he's going to have to wait. It's when, not if, with Reggie. All right, so we will close out the show after Sasha Stefanovic with the pop quiz. And remember, it's Freebie Friday. So not only will you get the Jiffy Lube oil change, but as we've done here throughout the last few days, cluster truck gift card, outstanding lunch, dinner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Great kitchen here. Downtown Indianapolis, they deliver all around uh, our, our listening area from a local standpoint all the way up through Carmel. $25 gift card coming your way. 80 different entrees made straight from the kitchen there. So Cluster Truck, thank you to them for giving us some gift cards to hand out to you. Before all of that, so it's Morning Checkdown. All right, 131, 109. That's your final last night in Gamebridge. Pacers now 29 and 24 on the season. A lot of conversation, obviously, has been around the trade of Buddy Heald. Here's Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton post game. It's his job to be a player, not the GM. My job is just to go out and win games or, you know, put the best product out on the floor. You know, that's all I, all I really control. You know, I'm not the, 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 I'm not Jackie Moon. I'm not the GM coach and player. You know, my job is just to go out there and help us uh, win games. And, you know, I trust our front office to make the right decisions. um, You know, I'm a leader of the group, a part of the group. So, um, you know, just try to win with whatever product or with whatever group we got, you know, just trying to win every night. Yeah, I'm under the impression that this was eventually green-lighted by Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe green-light is too big of a term to use, but I do believe that there was a, an element of sign-off here. And at the root of it, financially, welcome to new finances for the Pacers in trying to juggle things. And I don't know if Buddy Heald's desire to be here long-term was too amazing either. Ugly night on the floor for the Pacers. Uh, their second-worst home loss of the season, given Golden State played a back-to-back. You can make the case one of their worst performances, period of the season at New York, at Charlotte, at Toronto, every other night beginning tomorrow night. That'll close out the first half, if you will, more like the first two-thirds of the season. All right, from a hoop standpoint, again, Sasha Stefanovic in a few. We'll talk IU-Purdue, 8 o'clock tip tomorrow night from Mackey. Big one for Butler. They've got Providence coming up tomorrow afternoon at Hinkle, Indiana State, at Missouri State this weekend. On the other side, Sasha Stefanovic joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now we'll get you a pop quiz in about 15 minutes or so. You can win that oil change and also that $25 gift card to Cluster Truck. Again, you miss any of the show. We had Tom Coverdale earlier. Uh, if you miss, uh, what do we have? Mike Chapel. any of our conversation around the Pacers, check it out at 1075thefan.com. Indiana, Purdue, Purdue, Indiana. Tomorrow night, cannot wait. That one coming from Mackie. Our coverage over on WIBC at 7 o'clock. And the man that will be in the buildings played in this game and now he's uh, director of player personnel there on Matt Painter's staff. Sasha Stefanovic joining us here on the Payless Liquors Outline. Sasha, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Man, uh, I can't wait for tomorrow night's game. I'm uh, I'm sure I know, even though you're not playing, you cannot either. I guess let's start here. When you think of Purdue and Indiana, I asked Coverdale this in the 7 o'clock hour. I'll ask you, uh, when you think of Purdue and Indiana getting ready for a basketball game, uh, and I know you played in these and now you're on the bench, what's the first thing right now that's in your mind when I ask you that? 
Man, I just think about all the legendary matchups, right? You know, players, um, you know, obviously high, high caliber, talented, really talented, tough-minded players. But then I really think of like the coaches, right? I think of the classic matchups of Coach Katie and uh, Coach Knight, and now Coach Painter, and um, obviously Coach Woodson. So it's like really cool to to, to be a part of it and, and just think about those uh, times and throughout history, and then that you know maybe I played a small part in this rivalry as well. Certainly don't sell yourself short on that. A big part mm-hmm. in this rivalry. Sasha Stefanovic is with us here on the Payless Thicker Hotline. Ask Tom Coverdale this. Uh, do you know your record against the Hoosiers? I believe, if you count my redshirt year, I believe I am 8-1. and one. Look at that. Now that is... I might be right. I might be off on that a little bit, uh, but... I, uh, I know I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a couple wins down, down south. So <laughs> Eight and one is exactly correct there. And I'm going to guess, maybe I'm dead wrong, is the favorite memory the go-ahead three and Mackey there in one of your final matchups against the Hoosiers? No doubt. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, definitely. I think uh, all of the times that you win down uh, in assembly is really, really cool for me. It's really special. But um, my senior night where we're able to, um, you know, being a close game with them, and I was able to hit a really big shot down the stretch. It was really, really cool for me. Last time playing in Mackey Arena and just, uh, you know, cementing a, a really big win for our team going into the NCAA tournament and the postseason and everything, that was really, really special for me. I've always wanted to be a part of the rivalry. I've always, you know, I'm an Indiana guy. I've always wanted to go to Purdue. It's my dream school. So to be a part of the rivalry and hit a shot like that was really, really special for myself. And Sasha Stefanovic, one of the best shooters Purdue has seen. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. And a key role, certainly tomorrow night. I don't know how much our audience realizes this, Sasha, but you know, it was kind of funny. I was watching a Purdue game earlier this year, and all of a sudden I see you like come to the front of the bench, and I'm like, wait a minute, I I, I know that person. And I'm like, oh, wow, uh, he's got like a pretty specific role. Um, if you don't mind, could you share uh, your your in-game role for those that are watching tomorrow night and they might see you, particularly on an out-of-bounds play, dial something up? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, I'm I, I you know I would call my role like assistant offensive coordinator. So PJ Thompson, um, obviously, who's a former player, really really highly talented uh, basketball mind. He is running our offense, so you'll see him all the time with the whiteboard up, you know, calling our plays and uh, getting our offense into things. And then basically I'm his assistant. So I do the same thing with the whiteboard, but I'm calling all of our out-of-bounds plays, uh, side out-of-bounds plays when needed. Um, and then lately I've been doing a lot of, you know, ATOs and, and timeouts and trying to, you know, draw up some plays as well uh, when needed. But it's really a unique opportunity for myself to get in and coaching um, you know, and, and right away have an impact and, and be creative and try to, you know, call plays for our team and try to get get easy baskets or whatever, you know, we need in that situation. But it's uh, it's really great for me. It really helps me learn. Uh, obviously, I'm learning from one of the best basketball lines and, uh, you know, in the entire game. So it's it's really helpful for me and it's really uh, it's really been, you know, rewarding so far. Okay, I'd love to nerd out a little bit more on this here in-game stuff. Again, Sasha Stefanovic with us, technically director of player personnel is the title there, but in charge of a whole lot here in-game from an out-of-bounds standpoint. Like, do you sit there going into tomorrow night and you're like, okay, under eight timeout, you know, whatever, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking this, you know, this is something I'd like to get to at some point. Like, how much, I guess, does game flow overrule what you might walk into thinking about? Because obviously you want to rep some of this stuff, I would assume, in walkthroughs and things like that. So I guess how much changes within a game based off personnel, foul trouble, et cetera, et cetera? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a little bit of balance, right? So, like, me and PJ, we we go through, you know, you know, either we did it yesterday, but, you you know, we go through it again today, and we kind of not script out, but we, we have a plan of what we want to do, how we want to attack them, how they are going to guard us, right, whether they're, um, you know, in a hard hedge, in a drop, in a – uh, are they going to double the post? How are they going to double the post? Is it going to be big to big cover down? Um, you know, all those little things that go into how to approach the game from a um, scouting standpoint and how they want to guard us, how they want to attack defensively. We think about all of that going into what, what we want to call. Um, but as you mentioned, it's all a flow of the game, right? If Zach scores three in a row, three buckets in a row, you know, we obviously want to go back to him. So we might, you know, call the play that is is directed to him so for myself obviously I'm a little more situational you know with with time constraints whether it's you know it's a late shot clock play I need to get something that's a quick hit or under out of bounds or side out of bounds that the guys know right if I can't call a timeout or if coach Payne can't call a timeout you know you need to adapt on the uh, uh on the fly so um yeah all those things go into play like if if we you know we want to get a jump shot I got to call a play for that. I got to get a play for an ISO. Like different situations is really uh, something that for myself, like you don't think about all the time as a player, what goes into it as a coach, right? We, you don't think about the preparation that, that, that we do on the coaching staff. You just, you get this information delivered to you sometimes. So it's really cool. that be a part of this side of things. I really like thinking the game. I really, really like um, understanding matchups, um, you know, how to pick on people, uh, how to get into certain actions. So it's really been cool from that side, the offensive side of things to just be creative and learn a ton. Sasha Lance Jones, boy, I tell you what, after every game we talk about him, uh, and, and, you know, even if he's not having a huge scoring output, which he has so much of the time, you know, you guys go back to that Rutgers game. He only had four points, didn't shoot the ball well, but had five steals, eight assists, and ten rebounds. So he filled the stat sheet the other way. How big has his addition been to this Purdue team? And then just behind the scenes, in practice, off the floor, what kind of a guy is he? Oh, he is uh he is one of the one of the most special people I've I've been around. Just unbelievably kind, um, super friendly, all, never has a bad day, which is which is unbelievable. Like that's such a such a great characteristic to have, especially in this business, right? You're gonna have bad days. You're gonna be uh you're you're not gonna play well certain times, you're gonna go through things personal, um, off the floor. But he shows up every single day, just loves being here. Um, loves being a part of this team, and I, I, I'm really fortunate to be around him. Like I, I really enjoy my time around him. I wish Purdue, you know, the Purdue community, Purdue fans, got him for longer. To be honest, but he, um, you know, on the floor, he's so great. Like defensively on the ball, I think if you just watch him on the ball for possessions, he is unbelievable. He, he just blows up plays by himself with his energy and effort. Um, but it's just a mature standpoint, right? Like, I think it really helps these the guys that we've had on the team previous. Like, last year, they were young, right? Now you bring in a, a veteran guard who's been through a lot of games, who's been through a lot of experience, and, and he uh, he really helps those younger guys to, you know, if they may not have their offensive game going uh, this night, he's able to pick up the slack. He's able to give us a burst where he can rip and go, get to the rim. He's, he's shooting it really well. Um, but just, I think that mature standpoint, I think he's been great for our team and, and he's been, uh, he's been playing really tremendous. So it's, it's great.
He's a member of Matt Painter's coaching staff and also certainly one of the best uh, shooters that Purdue has seen. Sasha Stefanovic is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sasha, the one, as a player, the one IU player you couldn't stand playing <laughs> against. Oh, that's a no, good I question. I like that. Good question. Um, a lot of man. team success, but I'm sure that, that you have, but I'm sure there was an individual or two, don't want to undersell, that you thought, ah, oh, damn, is he really still there? Well, obviously, you know, I was I was fortunate to be a part of the rivalry with Trace when he was there, Trace Jackson Davis, and he was obviously a tremendous talent, All-American caliber. But I think more specifically, like, <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, I'm friends with him, Rob Finnessy, but my senior year when at – uh, assembly when he just decided to have his career game, you know, go, <laughs> mm-hmm. go figure. Yep. But he, uh, I love Rob. Rob's a really good player. And and the fact that he just had to do it that night was a little frustrating for me. So I don't know if, uh, there's anybody too specific, but Rob, Rob would be the one for me right now. Yeah. How about the Lafayette kid hitting the shot? No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> the one blemish Please. on the Stefanovic record in that <laughs> no head-to-head doubt. series. Uh, last one for me, Sasha. Greatly appreciate your, your time. I've always thought from afar, like Matt Painter's ability to put a roster together. I've always been very impressed by the puzzle pieces. I mean, Lance Jones is a perfect example of it. I mean, this guy's not top 50 portal player or however you want to look at rankings, and yet it seems like such a missing ingredient that you guys now have. If you had to pick maybe an underrated aspect to what Matt Painter has, you know, has allowed him to be so successful, uh, at, you know, you certainly have played and now coached with him uh, or for him and now coached with him, what would that be for you? Yeah, I just think a lot of people don't realize what goes all into assembling his roster, right? I, obviously, you have to be talented. Obviously, you have to have skill. Like, he would never even look at you if you don't have the caliber um to play here right but I think all of the other things that go into play about a player about a person um when making a roster you know people don't realize that he thinks about right like he's really big into personalities and personality assessments and what makes a person tick and what drives them and he really he really you know takes that into factor like he 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 assembles his roster around how people think and behave and um he's really big on that so if if he has a team full of guys that learn and think one way it may not work because everybody's the same right like he wants somebody in there that can think different can behave different that may have some qualities that aren't the best but we could fix them because you're part of our program you're part of our culture um and all those things that you know go into being a purdue boilermaker so it's really tremendous to see how his brain, you know, works and, and me be around him more and more and learn that, you know, he's one of the best college basketball coaches of all time. And just to pick his brain on certain things, offensively, defensively, you know, how to run a practice, how to do this, how to do that, how to recruit, how to, you know, it's really, really great. It's tremendous. And I think a lot of people don't realize the work that goes into it and how much he truly cares about, um, Purdue and how much he wants, you know, this university to succeed, not just basketball, but obviously just overall. But, you know, we really want to get to a level where Purdue is, you know, the the gold standard. And I think we're working towards it. Sasha, you've been on the playing side, now on the coaching side. This team, if this team can make that magical run in March, what do you think that would mean to the program? 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal, right? Like, I think everybody in college basketball is striving to get to, you know, you know, Final Four, the national championship, and we've been really working towards it. I think we've had a lot of great teams. I think um, during my time, I think, I, I, you know, it was really disappointing not to get to that level, but um, we had some really great teams. We were very close, knocking on the door, and then now we just continue to have gotten better. We've gotten – We've gotten a lot of great players in the program. We've gotten a great coaching staff. We have everything working towards it. And I think um, I think it's a matter of time. I think we're, we really are, are working towards it. We're having a mindset of, you know, working towards that goal in March. Um, and, and we're, uh, you know, hopefully we can get there. But it's, it's, it's challenging, right? Like everybody in college basketball wants to get there and only one team can get it. And uh, it's a really hard goal, but – you know, that's that's the big one that's circled on our on our board, uh, you know, this year and moving forward. Sasha, congrats on the post-playing career success. It's been fun watching you have this role. I, again, I'm kind of a nerd, so I, I, I love to see what you guys do come up with out of timeouts, things like that. Pretty cool that you've earned that responsibility here early on. So congrats on that. Can't wait for tomorrow night, and uh, thanks for the time this morning, man. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That is Sasha Stefanovic, the pride of the region, one of the best shooters in Purdue basketball history, and again, a key piece to the Matt Painter operation there. Uh, A lot of responsibility. P.J. Thompson, Paul, I mean, there's so many guys. Paul Lust, Brandon Brantley, I mean, goes on and on with what Purdue staff is like. Matt Painter delegating out a lot with that coaching staff. Again, that is tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on Fox. If you're looking for the radio coverage for us, it'll begin 7 o'clock over on our sister station, WIBC. All right, to close things out here on this Friday morning, how about a gift card? The Cluster Truck. $25 gift card we're giving away on the pop quiz no matter what, and it's a freebie Friday, so the Jiffy Lube oil change is yours no matter what. 317-239-10. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, it's a double free, uh, double freaky goodness, a double freebie oh Friday. Hey, now it might be a freaky Easy. Friday. Easy. Say so that have... for All Star Weekend <laughs> next weekend. Yeah, that's next weekend. Uh, we have the Jiffy Lube oil change and the Cluster Truck twenty five dollar gift card. It's all coming your way again. ClusterTruck.com. Type in the fan and you get twenty five percent off your next order of twenty five dollars or more. So we appreciate Jiffy Lube and Cluster Truck hanging out with us on this freebie, not freaky Friday. Where do you want to go here? So you said $25 gift card? Yeah. Let's go to the back end of that. Let's go with caller number five to round out the week. Karen. Karen. Hey, Karen. Hi there. Hey, Karen. How are you on this Friday? Pretty good, thanks. Karen, are you a Cluster Truck fan? Are you a fan of the show? Are you a fan of Jiffy Lube Oil Change? All of the above? Um, all of the above. Okay. All there right. I appreciate that. Karen, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, too many to name. I my favorite sport's baseball. I'm a big fan of like Brooks Robinson that era. Okay. Those people. Right. Okay, interesting. Uh, favorite baseball team? Chicago Cubs. Hell yeah! Oh, there you go. Hell yeah! Mark Dyson. Well, Karen, thanks happy. for calling. Have a great weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, Mark, can... did you plan this? I no. think you did. Unbelievable. Yeah. Are you related to Mark Dyson, Karen? I am not. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, it's it's good to know. <laughs> we'll see how many hints come your way here. Well, you'll get. Uh, you got the oil change. <laughs> you got the uh, the cluster truck gift card. So let's get a winner, regardless. Okay. You ready to go? 
Yeah. All right, here we go. Question number one. Steph Curry hit a season-high 11 three-pointers, and he scored 42 points to lead the Warriors past the Pacers last night. Who was the second? Who was, I should say, second in scoring last night? So who was second in scoring last night? Was it Pascal Siakam, Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner? Mm. Jalen Smith. I always have enjoyed saying this guy's name. I, I don't get to say it often, but I enjoy saying his name. He's a good player. Young yeah. young player. Siakam. Maybe one more guess out of Karen. <laughs> oh, that. I, what did you, was so, something Domingo? Or? Yeah, you're down yeah, between uh-huh. Jonathan uh-huh. Kaminga and right. Miles Turner. Isn't Domingo Sunday in Spanish, right? Kaminga. <laughs> Is it? There? Close enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe she said that. Did she not? Yeah, I think yeah, okay. Good job, Karen. Right, that's what I heard. Dwight Freeney, Karen, into the Hall of Fame. That was announced last night. Freeney played 16 seasons in the NFL, the first 11 with the Colts. Name one of the other teams Freeney played for over the final five seasons of his career. Karen, not to break our hearts, but we did rattle off all of these teams earlier in the show. Really hope you were listening. Oh, I missed that. But she'd maybe lie and just say that she was listening. Right. Uh, you got one of five guesses here for an NFL team. Okay. Um, you're not going to give me choices. No, <laughs> no, no. Not this time. Uh, one of five. Listen, you already got the oil change in the gift card. Scotty's yeah, we... not making this easy on you. Wait to go, question number Chargers. Five. Go. <laughs> what was that? I know Cubs fans want everything <laughs> handed to them, but we just can't do that. <laughs> um, I'll say the Patriots. All right, question number three. Karen, name the other former Colts player who was elected to the Hall of Fame last night. Was it Andre Johnson, Joe Klecko, Randy Gratishar, Robert Mathis? Uh, the first one was Andre Johnson. Nice. Johnson, nice. yeah. Okay. Nice. Karen, I've never been to a game at Wrigley. Suggestions on where really? I should uh, sit for my first game there? Oh, just sit down the first baseline. Look at that. Old faithful there. You can't mess with that. All right, tomorrow marks the 39th anniversary of the All-Star Game for the NBA right here in Indy. Who was the MVP Ooh. of the 1985 NBA All-Star Game at the Hoosier Dome? <laughs> was it Kareem? Was it Isaiah Thomas? Was it Ralph Sampson or George, George Gervin? Mm. I'll say Isaiah Thomas. All right, question number five. Basketball is not the only sport that was invented in Springfield, Massachusetts. Bust out your history book. What the hell is this on, question? On this day in night or in 1895. No, no, that makes too much sense for it to be yeah, 1995, yeah, I, I Andy. Quickly corrected myself. In 1895, William Morgan presented his new sport, Mininette, at Springfield College. By what name do we know Mininette today? It looks like Mintinet. Uh, badminton, volleyball, dodgeball, or handball? Sounds like badminton to me. Maddie Bellin would be a big fan, I guess, of this. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful that the game was invented. All right, Karen, congrats. <laughs> Stay on the line for the Cluster Truck gift card and that Jiffy Lube oil change. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga with 18 last night. That is a bouncy individual, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, Andre Johnson. Yep. 
Colts legend, right? Ring of Honor, future Ring of Honor member, right? Yeah, has Certainly. to be. Has to be. And that's it. That and was that's it, it. She got, for Karen. Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, Chargers, Mark, great audio there from Mr. Schwarzenegger. Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks, Lions. Go Chargers, go. I totally forgot about the Lions. Ralph totally. Sampson, MVP of the All-Star Game. And volleyball. Volleyball, there you go. To round it out there. Karen, thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. Andy Sweeney, that was a fun Friday. That was yes, a loaded, it was. Wow. loaded Friday. Again, Purdue and IU, we did a lot of that recap. Tom Coverdale, Sasha Stavanovich, Mike Chappell taking us behind the scenes at the Hall of Fame. Again, Pacers tomorrow night in New York, IU-Purdue tomorrow night, Butler and in Indiana State tomorrow afternoon. Everybody, thank you for tuning in all week long. Have a great weekend.